Good evening. Welcome to the Borgo Pass Horror Podcast. Enter freely and of your own will. In this episode, you may find many strange things, for the films to be discussed are old, and they have many memories. So, be there. Be there. Greetings, guys. Welcome to the Boga Pass Horror Podcast. As always, from Boston, this is Scott. And this is Jim from L.A., and it's the 4th of July. It is the 4th of July, so no beach for us, no barbecues. Not that I could do much of that in Boston anyways, because it is a rainy, nasty day. But uh, yeah, in lieu of uh, the American tradition of barbecuing and, and drinking beers, we are recording The Island of Lost Souls, which... Talk, talk about horror movies. And uh, and and if you guys hear some booms, it's, it's, it is 4th of July here in L.A., and... Uh, the fireworks will be heavy, so don't be surprised. <laughs> yeah, with me, it's either fireworks or thunder. It could be either one. Oh, yeah. So. Right. There you go. <laughs> and this is a fantastic, fantastic film. So, yeah, the 1932 film based on the book by H.G. Wells, of course, The Island of Dr. Monroe. Um, and I get a preface. This is true. You know, when we say, you know, pre-code movie, post-code movie, this is this is all the makings of what we consider a pre-code movie, man. And, oh, yeah. we, will, and we will get into it. This is every, everything that you could probably bulletize is, you know, why why the um, you know movies became a lot more, uh, I don't know, <laughs> scrutinized, I guess. Or, yeah, you know, yeah. This, it, it's, I, yeah, I, I think that, I think there's some fingerprints of this movie on on the history of that. Definitely, this is a really and it, it's what I really love about it too. It's like this is a subversive film in in many many ways. It's it's a great, it's amazingly well made film. It's it's with amazing cast and crew. It's gorgeous to look at. It tells a really interesting moral tale. But on the underside of that, it, it is there's there's something really really perverse about the 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 whole thing not just the topic but the way it's 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 portrayed and um and so obviously it's one of the things i love about it definitely i mean just between the god complex and the kink and you know the the satan i mean everything we'll get into it so bestiality and stuff like that it's it's a laundry list it's great Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) happy fourth of july everybody For the record, I'm not. I don't think bestiality is great, but in, in movie format, it's, <laughs> I, in, nor do I. <laughs> in movie format, it's pretty cool. I let's codify get, that. I just want to throw that out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As a pet lover, I just gotta say, I just. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, Island of Lost Souls, 1932, starring um, Charles Lawton. And before I, I get too much further with Charles Lawton, I was never. I don't, I don't say not a fan. I I never saw. I mean, obviously, Hunchback of Notre Dame. I'm a huge fan of um, Old Dark House. You know, with him playing. Um, Oh shit! It is um, oh old Doc House playing uh, Porterhouse, but you know hadn't seen a lot of Lawton's career, and I got to say, after watching this movie, you know, quite a few times for this podcast, what a talent, man! He this is just incredible performance by Lawton. He is just this, so skeevy. Yeah, just this might have been my introduction to him. It was it was either this or I think I saw this before the the '30s Hunchback uh, uh, thing. So yeah, no, definitely. And 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 you're it's one of those things where like he was such a good actor, and you're like, ah, I wish he'd done more horror movies. <laughs> definitely, because <laughs> wow, just yeah. I mean, obviously, he, obviously, Mutiny on the Bounty and and so many other amazing uh, pieces that he did, and you know, directed as well. But wow. Yeah, great. Just the way he the way he emotes in this movie. Um, I mean, he's got some you know some physicality, but man, his the way he emotes in through his face is just something else. So, oh yeah, I um, want to talk about that too. Like it it it's it reminds me of we talked when we did Black Cat. I was talking about 
being able to sort of tell viscerally how much Karloff was enjoying playing uh, 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 Perlzig. And I think I think uh, Lawton is relishing every moment of, of of playing Moreau in this and stuff like that. I mean, he just looks like an actor who's having a ball. Absolutely. Yeah, no, he's got that little twinkle in his eye every time, you know, that... That yeah. that, shne- that sneer and you know when he's about to do something a little underhanded. He, that's so. actually it's that that leads me to I was going to save it for later, but that there's a famous quote by Charles Lawton, who was a gay man living in in Hollywood, and and you know he was married to Elsa Lanchester, and to some degree I think it was a it was a real caring marriage, but to some degree it was also a marriage of convenience and you know professional whatever sure. discretion. But um, uh, he had a uh, when talking about censors and stuff, he had a great quote where he he said that. They can't censor the twinkle in my eye, oh, which I, which is it, it, I love it. it. It's just him saying I'm smarter than the people that want to censor me. That's and fantastic. I can get what I want out there in a way that is too subtle for them to be able to justify, you know, cutting it out or censoring it or blocking. It. So I just anyway, yeah. in my defense, I had never heard that quote. So I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to seem like I'm stealing that quote. But there yeah. is, man, you, there is a twinkle in this guy's eye when he's doing oh, yeah. something yeah. a little underhanded, man. Yeah. Just, there's a there's a boyish playfulness to um, him playing this maniacal god complex character and it it is what makes it make this movie is more enjoyable than it seems like it should be for how dark it is yeah like you know what i mean like it it's 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 more fun than a tale if you read the script you'd be like this movie is probably not gonna be a lot of fun it's actually pretty fun it really is just it's so different the acting is fantastic and as i i didn't have a whole lot of time i was trying to go back and listen to the commentary so um, Universal historian and actually future um, co-host or a guest on this uh, the podcast. So, Mr. Greg Mank, who anyone who's you know and watched anything Universal obviously knows of, of Mr. Mank and his work yeah. in the documentaries. Greg had described the uh, the Doctor Moreau Lawton's Doctor Moreau character as quote satanic and kinky. Yes. And, oh yeah, for quote. sure. And I love he, that. Oh my god, definitely gosh. is right. <laughs> like he, he's yeah there's there's a little bit of he's he's getting off on what he's doing a little bit there's there's definitely something there for that um i love that yeah. uh no that's, that's, that's great. i i when i i do you have the you have the criterion blu-ray edition i did yeah yeah I, I that's the version i have and i'm watching right now and, and by the way it is a great edition it's got the com greg's commentary is great there's a great um making of little documentary and there's a great bit where where um like rick baker and john landis and and robert uh, Burns or whatever, uh, all hang out and just talk about the movie and how much they love it and stuff. And it's gr- a great opportunity to see the influence this movie has on the the people that are doing it now uh, on the big screen and stuff. So it's really cool. That's wonderful. I mean, before I had even seen this movie, I remember as like you know as a younger kid or teenager, see it was like one of the Simpsons Treehouse of Horrors. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that episode. And, it, yeah. and it's the it's the island of Doctor Moreau. And I'm, as I'm really watching, oh wow, like, holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny so yeah so charles lawton as uh dr moreau uh richard arlen as ed parker uh leah holmes as ruth thomas his fiance girlfriend i think they say fiance fiance uh, i think they say yeah yeah but bella lugosi billed as bella quote-unquote dracula lugosi being a paramount film they want to remind you that this was universal's you know dracula so nice of them to remind the the audience um as sayer of the law so it doesn't have a, a human name a beast name so he's the kind of the the keeper of the law that we'll certainly get into Arthur Hall he's sort of, and- he's sort of their shaman he's sort of their holy man in a way yeah. I, it's a it's an amazing uh archetypical character it's really really wild definitely I'm sure we'll get into Lugosi he doesn't have a whole lot to do in this film but we'll get into it yeah. and we'll certainly talk and I'm sure you can talk in great you know really good detail Jim as far as the makeup goes we've shared you know before yeah. long before we ever planned on doing this movie shared a lot of the um 
some of the the early makeup design on, on the ghost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll go down a, a Bella Gussie rabbit hole, everybody. Don't worry. Hundred <laughs> <laughs> um, percent. At, uh, at the hall is Dr. Montgomery and uh Kathleen Burke as uh Loda, quote unquote the Panther Woman. So yes. not 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 credited by name in the opening credits, only in the end. So in the in the beginning one, it's like the the Frankenstein thing where Carl's just credited as the monster. She's credited as the Panther woman. Right. Very mysterious. Cool. And, you know, certainly does a great job, has that, you know, just a, a fantastic look and, um, you know, this, geez. So yeah, let's get into it. So we both watched it, Criterion Collection, you know, highly recommend. So um, as we get into this, so we open up on a scene of the uh, SS Covina. So it's a ship sailing, um, a cargo ship and um, sailing across the ocean and they see, um, oh, they, <laughs> kind of a tongue twister. They see someone lost at sea. And it yeah. ends up turning out to be um, Ed Parker, who is just hanging off a lifeboat. We get learned that he was on a ship called the Lady Vane, who had um, sunk, and he was hanging on for his dear life. So uh, Covina comes and, you know, per protocol, rescues him and, and brings him on, you know, below deck to, um, you know, just take care of him. So that's when we meet um, not only Ed Parker, but uh, Dr. Montgomery for the first time. Um, and you want to get into this a little bit, Jim, as far as the uh, kind of a very mysterious and uh well, well you know th- this is like another archetype and i and i i think um so 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 just uh, the, the the very quick literary recap that the, the book is the film is based on the book by hg wells the the island of dr moreau or uh yeah um which was actually and we'll get into this more but but uh wells was a vivid anti-vivisectionist uh he really did not believe in what we would now call animal testing um, he was an early opponent of, of that. And to some degree, this book is, is, is his way of sort of, you know, uh, voicing his, his issues with that, like the, where he first saw that uh, tendency going uh, in the future, that, 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 that was his, his kind of deal. Um, he, he hated this version of the movie uh, of his book, by the, by the way, I, I think we mentioned that in another film at some point but, uh, that we covered, but uh, apparently H.G. Wells really despised this edition of his, his book. Um but um, but Montgomery, uh, you know, you know, obviously it was a very successful and, and well-regarded book, and and they make it into a movie. Um, <clears throat> Montgomery also is like a, an archetype. I mean, I, I've seen this character type in all these other movies. Uh, the, the disgraced doctor, the doctor who, you know, something went wrong, or he did something wrong, or had malpractice, or he was a drunk, or you know, whatever. And and now he's stuck being sort of the uh, the. Uh, the go-to sawbones to some sort of like villainous character because it's like the only gig he can get. Now. Yeah, you see, it like um, like Lionel Atwell all the time, right? Kind of yeah, like yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so he's kind of. I mean, Montgomery's kind of a castaway too. It's interesting yeah. in this. Like he's he's stuck and he's he's forced to be subservient to Moreau. But um, you know, you know, um, Charles Dance's character in Alien Three is is you know the the doctor on the prison planet that Ripley ends up on with the you know, yeah. or not Charles Charles Dance? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, the guy from Game of Thrones. Anyway, and he's. Cause he, he was like an opium addict that, that killed a bunch of people, you know, by mistake, a bunch of patients. And now he's the only gig he can get is this doctor on this forsaken planet. And stuff. So I, I'm just saying like this type of character, you start seeing this again and again and again. And I always talk about the long shadow of these films and that's one of them, but um, I love Montgomery and, you know, Montgomery has a great arc that, you know, he starts out as one thing and very slowly and very, you could say predictably, but, but morally, you know, he, he grows as the film goes on and stuff and, and, and turns into, you know, starts as a villain, kind of turns into a hero. So it's, it's, it's a neat character. Definitely. Yeah. No best arc in the movie, I would say of all the characters. And yeah. So um, Parker wakes up from, you know, just being out at sea and unconscious and, um, you know, calls him doctor. He says, you know, 
oh, thank you, doctor, is he kind of still takes a step back and says, well, you are a doctor, aren't you? Yeah. Montgomery's response is, well, yes, at least I was once upon a time. At least I was once upon a time, whatever that means, and kind of walks out of the room. So it's like, it kind of leaves a very, you know, very open-ended, very ambiguous, like, who is this Montgomery character that Mm -hmm. we're going to have to, you know, we'll learn a lot more as a film. Right. Yeah, no, it sets up, it sets up the mystery, which, you know, eventually we we, we learn about. Um, They never talk about how the Lady Vane sinks, right? It's just sort of, it's saying, that might be in the book. I have to confess, I have not read The Island of Dr. Moreau. There's, that's yeah, my they, homework after this. They, yeah, they didn't really get into it. It was just, yeah, for some, they just like literally sailing and they see Parker, you know, hanging off a lifeboat and they rescue yeah. him. So I don't think there's a lot of backstory with the Lady Vane and maybe there is in the book, but either they way, kinda you know, steal, they kind of steal that for the Dino De Laurentiis King Kong, don't they? Where they're, yeah. they're on the, 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 Charles Grodin's on the boat, Jeff Bridges is a stowaway, but then they rescue uh, Faye Dunaway. Interesting. Anyway. Oh my gosh, you're right. No, not Faye Dunaway. Sorry, Jessica Lang. Just that's what it just yes. Jessica yeah. Lang. She's on that she was on that pleasure cruise and she's in the cocktail dress and everything. She's just holding on to like a piece or something like that. So oh. again, long shadows. Looking wonderfully beautiful, by the way, Miss Jessica Lang. Yes, yeah. Looking much better than Eddie Parker, but okay. <laughs> hey, if I'm the if I'm the maybe doctor once in a while, I would rather uh, her. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah what right. I'm saying. Um, so, Parker, yeah, so, um, yeah. so, so, so meanwhile, I mean, I, I like that the, 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 the first half of this movie intercuts and then we, we go to, uh, Apia, 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 where, where his, uh, fiance Ruth is, you know, waiting for word and they're listing like the people missing on the, the ship and stuff. And she's all fretting and worried about, you know, what's happening and stuff. Yeah. So kind of the, one of the last businesses before the, you know, before the scene ends is Montgomery taking down, I think Parker asks Montgomery, you know, do you have a wireless um, oh, right. on board to send, you know, word basically to his fiance. Um, and they basically take down, you know, Parker, you know, kind of recites I've been rescued at sea by, you know, the SS Corvina. Um, yeah. You know, we're doing, we're doing deck on this type of day and, you know, hope, hoping that his fiance does get the word. So yeah, right. we're gonna fast forward to the next scene in the downtown area that um, there's a, you know, there's a um, announcement of the lady vein sinking with a list of, actually I have the scene in front of me right now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, it looks like eight people. Um, that was still missing. And of course, Eddie Parker's name is listed. And um, it, um, Ruth comes up, sees a list and, you know, understands that her, you know, her dearly beloved is missing at sea. Yeah. Um, and kind of walks away. And I, I don't know if my, if my dearly beloved was missing at sea, I think I'd look a little bit more upset than she does. She's like, eh, <laughs> she's, eh this, this sucks. She's, it's, it's kind of like a more of an inconvenience. I don't, I don't know. She's, she's worried in a very proper, uh, you know, I guess, Western English way or something like that. Um, uh, I looked it up. Uh, Apia, Apia. I don't know. I think it's Apia. Um, it's in the Samoan Islands, and it's like like a thousand miles away from Australia. So, so that if that sort of focuses where Moreau's Island is, it's it's somewhere in this uh, you know kind of thing. And and I might say, is it possibly close to Skull Island? I mean, are we in the same? Wouldn't that be great? It feels it feels awfully the same, and I like to think that somehow these two movies, this movie and King Kong, are part of this shared universe thing, right? And we'll get we'll get to the character, but the the drunk captain who we're about to meet, this Captain Davies, he feels like somebody who's been going to all these mysterious islands for way too long, and he's had enough. It, yeah. it will get to him. He's like, "Oh shit, another island that's not on the charts and not yeah. on the maps." And he's like, "I'm just, I'm done. Like, I've made my money. I just want to get drunk." And yeah, 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 exactly. He's he's an interesting character. I like I like to. So so um, Parker feels better, and he and he gets to go up on on deck, and um, he finds out that the 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 Covina is transporting all these animals to this mysterious island. Um, and there's a good there's a good gorilla suit 
moment here i noticed where there's a good you know it's, it's a lot of real animals in the film but there's obviously they, they never ever you know they never really did have gorillas and i think you couldn't really get a gorilla a real gorilla very well at this era which is a good thing i think uh, that they couldn't do that so they ended up putting guys in suits and stuff and there's a good good monkey in a suit uh uh, uh <laughs> moment yeah, the big paw comes out and you know takes a yeah. swipe at Parker and um yeah. yeah kind of understanding that he's on a you know a vessel that's transporting you know lions and tigers and right there's a bunch of dogs and there's just you know just a whole bunch of commotion going on and yeah we end up meeting uh Captain Davies for the first time so he's obviously the captain of the Quiviner and you know, stock raving drunk and, um, you know, just kind of a, you know, not, not the nicest guy, just a, you know, honorary, you know, salty ship captain and immediately wanted, you know, sees Parker for the first time says, who the hell are you? And, um, yeah. you know, Montgomery explains that, well, he's been rescued at sea and you, know, you would have known that if you weren't such a stinking drunk and <laughs> yeah, yeah. whatever. Yeah, I mean, Montgomery just has contempt for this guy, but, but you get the feeling that, you know, what, what Moreau is, is doing is not just illegal, but probably, you know, punish severely punishable in most parts of the world um and his desire and and so so like montgomery davies is is this uh you know he's desperate enough that he takes gigs like this and you can tell like you know um uh his dissatisfaction for doing it yeah i mean montgomery mentions to him too that it's like you know davies is kind of complaining and is you know, tells montgomery this is the last time i'm ever you know doing anything like this for you and and um and monroe yeah. And, but you know, Montgomery, how, how many times has he said that though? Right. You know, right. Well, Montgomery reminds us like, Hey, you're being paid a lot of money to do this gig. So is this now like, I'm, I often wonder with Davies, I mean, he seems like somebody that would do anything for money. So is he, is this like a moral, does he, does he have a moral compass? Um, oh, that's interesting. Now, you know what? I honestly think he's some guy who just hates working and, but he has to work, but, but he resents the, the work and, yes, yeah. and, 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 and he, you know, there's obviously, I mean, I don't, I've never really delved into the psychology of, of this character really in my mind, but I, I have the feeling it has a lot to do with, he probably just resents every mistake he's made in his life that has led him to this moment to having to do this stuff. So, so self-hatred would probably be the biggest, uh, uh, you know, factor in his, his psychological makeup, I would think. True. And his ship is really noisy. I mean, it, it opens up with a scene of the, all these dogs barking. So if you're hung oh, yeah. over 24 seven, the last thing you probably want, if you get the splitting headache, you want this, like just this, dogs. this is true. Yeah. He hates the dog. He seems like somebody who hates animals. So for someone who's transporting animals, it seems like a bad, yeah, bad mix. And and we see how that how that plays out. Exactly. So yeah, he'd probably be more happy transporting like vegetables or you know cotton balls versus like all these barking animals and Jim Beam or something. Yeah, Jim Beam would be perfect. Yeah, probably won't be any cargo left when they get to port. (laughs) Right, right. A little light. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So so, um, while we're up here, we meet the 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 servant Maling. who I, I guess I never really appreciated him as much earlier, uh, you know, there, when I, when I would watch this movie when I was younger, but as I get older, like I realized like, you know, that the Maling character, um, I don't have the name of the actor who played him in front of me, uh, uh, is a real f- critical factor. He's, he's sort of Moreau's second in command, really. You're right. I mean, he's kind of his house boy, but he's also kind of his, his, you know, go-to dude. Um, yeah, well, they make a they make a mention of this. I think later on in the film that he not no spoiler alerts, but we're gonna obviously we're gonna find out that Moreau has been you know conducting scientific yeah. experiments on these on these beasts to turn them kind of half human. So I think we learn that this Maling is half dog, and I think they yeah make yeah a he's a dog boy yeah yeah a dog boy. And they make make a mention later on in the film that he has the loyalty of a dog with his master. Oh yeah yeah no that's interesting. So it's a it's almost like some of the traits of the animal that he used to be 
yeah. uh, uh, have, have held over. And that's an interesting kind of idea. Um, and I think that's probably something that's probably explored quite a bit in the, uh, in the, uh, in the book. Um, but I like, he's a good introductory character. Cause like he, he, you almost, you could look at that guy and you could almost believe that he's just a person with some horrible affliction, you know? Um, yeah. He doesn't look totally beast out. I mean, this, once we get to the Island or even yeah. when we get to Moreau's boat, there would be clearly more, you know, gorilla. Um, yeah, well, I mean, there's guys with like hoofs and shit, you know, I mean, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, 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 it gets to the point where you're like, this isn't just somebody with like a, 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 a whatever, but, but I was, I was leading up to the idea that, that Maling could possibly have a glandular problem. Yeah. Or he could be like a, he has like a boxer's nose or, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, it just, or just like, you know, you, you see like an old stuff in museums and stuff about like guys with like porphyria and, 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 you know, hair growth issues and things like that. And stuff. So, so the idea is like early on you're, you're introduced to this idea, like maybe Moreau just hires this guy and he's an unfortunate dude and stuff like that. You don't, he doesn't instantly give away the fact that something unholy is happening on this island. Right. So it's a good, it's a good beginning. It's great filmmaking. Yeah. They're leaving a lot yeah. of things ambiguous that, yeah. which is, which is fantastic. And the same thing with Montgomery too. Like just the writing here is really, really strong. It's an immensely well done. It's, it's a film that's done on a level of like a good dramatic film. Um, you know, I mean, this, this film for me exists on the level of, of, of a Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, Dracula, Black Cat, you know, yeah. it, it, this isn't uh, this isn't murders in the zoo, right? I mean, as much as we love murders in the zoo, what I yeah. I love about this, and even and this is, I mean, we mentioned this on our Dracula episode, how quickly, I mean, minutes, three, four, you know, maybe seven minutes into Dracula, you know, pretty much the the curtain has been you know pulled down, so yes. there's really no secrets anymore. This film is a slow burn, which is really fun. It is a bit. I mean, you're you're a good forty minutes in before you realize like what is really. If if you are coming into this completely cold, uh, I mean, I think a modern viewer will suspect what's going on and stuff. And I also think like um, it's 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 this thing I talk about now, where it's like pop pop culture mythology, where if you hear about Island Doctor Moe, you 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 a person doesn't necessarily have to have read the book or seen a movie version of it to know. Oh no, it's the guy on the island with the animal people, and the, you know. Right. Um, these things filter in. And like you said, like, like in the Simpsons, right? Like, like, you know, you could know what uh, you could know about this movie just because you happen to watch that episode of Treehouse of, of terror. And, you know, uh, and that's how these things become like pervasive in our culture. And it's, it, they become our new myths, which is really just a neat thing that, that, you know, our culture seems to do our uh, people seem to need these stories. And it's great. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So he's bling is, you know, I guess no surprise is he is, you know, kind of the, 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 the dog boy or half you know, human yeah. dog is bringing, you know, just gruel out to the dogs right? and bumps into jerky drunk captain Davies and spills, you know, just, you know, slop all over the, the captain's um, pant leg. And the captain, of course, you know, had no tolerance for, you know, the servant punches him out immediately and, you know, he hits yeah. the deck and, and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, Parker immediately being the, uh, you know, good upstanding you know, hero that he is, you know, says something kind of snide to the captain and, you know, the captain takes a swing at Parker and, you know, he kind of steps out of the way and knocks the captain out. So now we've got two unconscious guys here on the deck. Um, and then they, you know, Montgomery and, One and Parker, a half at least. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Montgomery and Parker head over to, um, to tend to, you know, the servant. And at that point they kind of, as they're, you know, kind of not to say stroking his head, but maybe just searching for, you know, injuries uncovers that, you know, the, the, the ear, I just like, I go on like the, the Spock ear from, from Star Trek, like that pointy, yeah, yeah. you know, the pointy ear, you know, this one has like the hair and I think of like a, you know, a dog, 
a dog's ear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a great, and I'm looking at it right now. It's a great makeup effect and stuff like that. I don't, I, I didn't have time to do the research on who did uh, the makeup for this. I think it was one guy and a couple other assistants and stuff. Um, Cause it wasn't the West Morris, I don't think. Um, but, uh, but the makeup in this movie is fantastic. It is. Just, we'll, we'll get into it more, but wow, it's good. It's so good. It's so, so good. Oh my gosh. And they don't do a whole lot with, with much. I mean, it's, uh, you know, a couple of facial appliances and of course, like the body hair, as we get to the Island, we start yeah. seeing a little more of the diversity amongst like the, um, yeah. the, the, the natives, but yeah, man, yeah. They, they killed it, man. They absolutely, I mean, there's a couple of guys that are a little tough to look at, but for the most part, the makeup here is, is like just incredible such a, a high no, yeah. point of this and 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 again if you want to pick up the the dvd and, and honestly you might be able to find it, uh, the discussion pit on on youtube i'm not sure um uh of rick baker talking about the effects and stuff like that because you know we could go on about it but like do yourself a favor and listen to rick baker talk about the makeup effects of the movie because uh, yeah. it'll be it'll be a much more informed uh discussion 100 listen so, to the master but uh but yeah but but you know uh uh, Montgomery is like, you better get out of here before he wakes up. You just, you just hit the captain um, in, in a, <laughs> do we want to go to David Manners? But <laughs> do it all, oh, please do. I didn't have I, any- I, no, but I, I, I just, it did, not David, but, but as opposed to the, the Jonathan Harker type character mold and stuff, I will say like Edward Parker is a pretty, uh, uh, he's a guy, he's a capable dude. Uh, he's, he's not some whimpering dude and, or, you know, you know, he's, he's missing his wife, but you know, he, he's also, he feels like, he feels like a guy who could take care of himself on a boat or in this situation or whatever, but yeah, he does get himself man's. into these fixes, but still. He's a bit of a man's man. I mean, Grant, he does, he knocks out a captain who's probably, you know, completely inebriated, but yeah, yeah he's like, super, super quick to come to the defense of, um, you yeah, know. like a helpless guy. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's good. Um, so, so you like him? You're like, okay, here's our hero. This is good. I, he's, 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 you know, he's a stand-up dude. He's likable. So, all right, we're gonna root for this guy and hope he's okay. But, but, uh, you know, Parker's problems are only beginning here. Which makes him making out with the Panther woman a little bit curious later on. Yeah, we'll, we'll get, get to we'll that. Get there. We'll get there. He has a he has a moment of weakness. That's for sure. It is <laughs> Kathleen Burke. So, I mean, I don't know. Do you get a pass? I'm not sure. I don't know, but at least yeah, he's got some. He's you know he's a he's a complicated guy. He's the anti David Manners. He's you know you, yeah. you get you gotta like him, you gotta hate him. But he's layered. He owes something for him, which is which is yeah. fine. He also he sort of goes along with some of this to some degree. I mean, he's a little bit. There's moments where he's like, I hate you, Moreau, and then there's moments where he's like, Well, eh, maybe he's got a point. So like, we'll get yeah, we'll get there. This he says some interesting things when he gets on this island, but um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I will say like like he's a protagonist and stuff like that. He's not like my favorite character in the movie or anything. I actually, I actually do. Like like Montgomery's character from a moral stance, the guy who makes this, this journey, um, uh, uh, Parker's just sort of selfish about, he wants to protect himself and then he wants to protect Ruth. Of course, Montgomery has this, is the guy who we're skipping way ahead of the end here, but Montgomery is the guy who, who sort of is like, no, 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 this crap needs to end right here. Right. Like, <laughs> like Moreau needs to burn for what he's done. Um, Definitely. Uh, so nope. he's, he has the higher idea of justice, right? hundred percent. Park was ready to walk away. And again, I hate to, we don't want to get too far into this, but yeah, yeah. Park was ready to walk away with, with Ruth and be like, I don't know. We'll, we'll get there, but yeah, I'm yeah. with you. The, the moral compass definitely you know, stands with Montgomery. He, he vacillates, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so, um, so they, they get, you know, the next bit, they, um, they're docking with Moreau's boat somewhere in the, in the sea. So Moreau has this like schooner yacht thing. I don't know much about boats. It's, it's got sails on it um, <laughs> and a big wheel and it's white. Um, hey, did you so they're doing the offload, right? Before we go to the scene really quick, I just want to mention this super quick. And this kind of gives you yeah. a little bit of an insight into, you know, what this, I'm sorry, Jim, is this Maling? M- M- yeah, Maling. Okay. M apostrophe L-I-N-G. Okay. So a little insight into Maling. So as the captain's still knocked out on the deck, 
Maling kind of comes too, and then there's oh, a right. nice camera, you know, close up of the fa- of his face, and he kind of snarls, and he's got these, you know, these sharp teeth, and then goes after the captain. He pounces, he almost pounces on him. I forgot. Yeah, I'm so glad you remember that because it's great. He he does like a dog. Like he he he's gonna ah, go for him. Right. And Montgomery again. He starts. He gives like these dog commands. He says, "Friend, is it go forward, stay forward." And then Malin yeah. kind of you know puts his not literally puts his tail between his legs, but kind of does. Kind of does. Yeah. It yeah, turns yeah, around. No, no, and kind of walks away sheepishly. But yeah. So his first instinct when he came to being Malin was to. And I'm watching the scene right now. So he's got these huge fangs. And goes right after him. And actually, Parker, you know, kind of reaches down and grabs him to, to stop him from, you know, probably tearing this captain's, you know, neck open. Yeah. And Montgomery. And, and it's a great performance by uh, the actor's name is Tetsu Komai. Um, uh, he's, he's a Japanese actor, actually. Um, Japanese American, I think. Um, he did serials. He was in like Captain Marvel and stuff. Um, and he ended up, uh, he lived a long time. He lived till 1970. Um but it's, yeah, he's a great performance. Uh, uh, and you do get this idea like, yeah, if they let him go, what was he going to do? You know? Right. And I think, again, it's kind of the first peak that Park is seeing that, you know, w- you know, what's going on here just to see like, you know, him commanding him like, like a dog. And I think Montgomery yeah. kind of says, well, he's my servant, yeah. um, but certainly not commanding him like, you know, like you, a, a, a master would command a servant, yeah. you know, giving like these short dog commands, like sit, stay, yeah. you know, friend. But again, it, it's not, it's not like the Jonathan Harker thing where he's like, oh, okay. Like, like Parker is actually <laughs> I mean, like, like, you know, we're talking Harker and Parker. Uh, Parker is actually like, that doesn't seem right. Like, right, 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 right. Like, like this guy doesn't have like a skin issue, right? This, there's something else here. Right, exactly. But he's yes. in a very vulnerable spot. And, you know, throughout the whole movie, he's very vulnerable. He's, he's, he's living at the whim of, 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 you know, people helping him trying to get back to Ruth or getting back to civilization. And uh, to some degree, he's, he's, we talk about Lugosi and Black Cat. He's got to play the long game. He's got to kind of try to keep it cool in order to, you know, get himself out of the, the danger he's starting to realize he's in. Which I don't think he does a really good job of later. Again, later on the alley, Pocket just seems to really lose his shit once he gets then, to the then island. Then he loses his temper. Then, yeah, Something. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know. Well, and again, he's, we'll get he's, to he's that. He's mercurial. Yeah. We need to, we, we're, we're going to take the writer's uh, direction here. We're going to slow burn our podcast here. We don't want to give away all the uh, the goodies up front here. But right. Yeah. Once we get to the island with Parker, I think we're going to have some fun, some fun conversations. So, need, need, yeah. Yeah, Jim, you were mentioning so the uh, unloading of the cargo. You want to take us from here? Yeah, you know, and and you get again the, the film's done so so interestingly. You know, says so they've got the dogs on board uh, Moreau's boat, and then we've talked about. I think we've been introduced to the name Moreau now, um, and we're introduced strangely. Parker is hanging out with like the first mate or something on the on the deck of the the Covina, and he's looking down. And the first time we see um, Moreau, he's he's just this you know frumpy shape sitting on the in the stern of the boat next to the wheel with a big hat and stuff um the 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 movie all the humans in the movie parker montgomery moreau um even the the uh the captain they run into later that helps ruth ruth and stuff everyone's dressed in white everyone's all in these white slacks white shoes white jackets white pith helmets white you know everything um it's it's i mean i know it was it was typical probably for that era for people in the tropics who you know western people who actually wore clothes uh, for one reason or another, uh, in the face of all logic, um, who had to wear a collared shirt and a jacket and stuff to wear white because the white white reflects 
heat, you know, the sun and, and heat and, and it's cooler than if you're wearing black or a darker color. But what it what it gives this movie, I'm just going to go on a dumb tangent here for a second. What it gives this movie is like, because the way the fil- the cameras were and exposure and stuff like that, like the, the, the human characters kind of glow in this movie. Did you notice that, Scott? Interesting. Like- I'm, I'm actually watching the scene. So as, we, as we're talking, I just saw the scene and we'll get into it basically where Davies, you know, throws Parker onto Moreau's boat. Yeah. And 100%, all the natives and, you know, the half beast, half men are all dark or, you know, t- yeah. you know, chest, you know, op- topless, you know, no, no clothes. And right. As the human characters besides Davies are all these glowing white figures. Yeah. yeah Even pretty- Maling, Maling actually wears clothes, you know, he wears like, you know, servants clothes like that. And so it's just an interesting, you know, kind of thing. And I think it, it, it makes it graphically very evident, like who's, who's a human, who's a non-human in this, in this thing. So it's a great, but anyway, point. yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we see, we just look down at, 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 um, Moreau and, um, and then obviously, yeah, yeah, the Captain Davies uh, shows up and, and remembers what happened with Parker um, and slugs him and, and tosses him overboard. And this is a vi- man. I, again, I so I just watched it again. So you nobody is surviving that fall. My God. I mean, it cl- it's clearly down. So, yeah, Par- <laughs> Parker, you know, slugs him a couple of times, picks him up WWE style, like a body slam and chucks him. I mean, it, it looks like it's about 50 feet. Yeah. down and and obviously it's a camera cut so we have this dummy falling down and he hits yeah. like the side of the boat he hits this this box hits the ground it's like you know it was a pretty pretty violent fall so this pocket yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's, it's, it's a i mean your, your spine's going to be applesauce it's just, yeah 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 um uh so yeah and it's it and you know he's he's just got his um his uh uh revenge now for that yeah yeah he does he does really i'm just watching now he does oh my god he just bounces and his legs flop i feel bad for the dummy like the dummy takes a, a big go leap. back to the dummy <laughs> <laughs> that poor dummy <laughs> he's under he's not even in the union um i know right uh it doesn't have any osha or anything um <sighs> yeah uh but but this is where we see uh moreau for the first time is like hello you lost a man here you know and 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 uh yeah, you know, so so this has to do a little bit with the maritime rules of like if you save if you rescue someone from a shipwreck, you have to take them to your nearest port of call, right? Um, to to rescue them, you're you're bound by that, and I'm sure that has to do with your license of to ship and whatever you know, oceans rules and things like that that we don't know anything about. But um, but the captain seems to think like this boat is his first port of call, and and that that's his only obligation is to like put put Parker on this boat, not take him back to Appia. Um, which we find out he was probably mistaken on that because he gets in some trouble when he gets back to to Appia. <laughs> yeah, no, Ruth, and you know, of course, takes him in front of uh, the board, which we'll get to. But yeah, yeah. so chucks him on a Monroe's boat, and of course, you know, Monroe has uh, Monroe has, um, you know, bigger fish to fry here. You can't have this, you know, this. You know, this extra Parker, um, yeah. Sto- I don't know if they call him a stowaway, but you know, the person he wasn't planning on. Now he's got you know his full cargo of animals. He's got a lot to do once he gets back to the island. Yeah, and um, you know, he wants Parker off board, and he and it's kind of funny. Like um, Rowan and um, Davies has a you know a nice kind of a funny back and forth, and he's like, I'll oh, just chuck him overboard like I did, and he's like, you know, see you later, sucker. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what does he care? Yeah, yeah. Davies, yeah. Um, Davies stands off, and you know, Moro's kind of he's looking like a you know. Just a jilted lover at the at the uh, the wheel here, just going back and yeah. he's looking a little pissed and um, yeah yeah this is you know this is a fly in his ointment. I mean, I mean Moreau's whole operation is based on this, the discretion of the people that are doing stuff, and that's why I think he compartmentalizes. Like he, you know, this guy, it's like H. H. Holmes building his his house right in Chicago or whatever. Like like you have one guy come in and, and like 
build, build your, your cave. You have another guy come in and like put a one-way door on it. So, so no one person knows everything about your operation. I think that's how Moreau works. This captain, as far as he knows, just delivers animals, you know? Um, but now there's a guy who's going to go to the Island. Who's not under Moreau's control. And, and, you know, this is, this is a potential uh, risk for him. Right. And he, and Moreau says it later on about, he's got, you know, Montgomery is somebody that he can trust or like really anybody can trust. And you know, to your point, who is, he has no idea who this Parker is. And obviously yeah. he's got a lot, you know, a lot going on, a lot of, a lot of unsavory things going on in this Island. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's only until they get closer to the Island here that Moreau sees the value in having in Parker and you know we can you know, skip ahead to this point if you want to but um, let me just I, we talked about this being a good production and I'm just watching this shot where Parker's sitting on the railing of this boat and the Kavina is sailing away and it's a real boat with Kavina painted on the back of the boat it's in the, they're in the ocean this isn't on the, in the tank somewhere um, they they film this now ironically enough I will say I can actually, if I go in my backyard and stand on my tiptoes I can actually see where they film this this, this is right between uh, Los Angeles harbor like in long beach and uh catalina island which is you know about an hour's boat ride away it's a big island off off the coast they filmed uh all the stuff where the the boats dock uh here that's catalina harbor um king kong when they land on the beach that's catalina and stuff that hollywood in the 30s especially used that little bit of, of stuff all the time for a probably most dangerous game and other stuff like that so it's ironically this is filmed about 10 miles away from where i'm sitting right now but but this shot where he's sitting there and this boat's going by, like they they filmed that. That's a it's it's not a cheesy process screen. I mean, I, I think it's real and it's really like they Paramount was you know I think Paramount saw the success of Dracula and Frankenstein. And we're like, we could have a little bit of that, you know. <laughs> this yeah, is, this, yeah, they've got the butt. They, yeah, and I don't think it I don't think it totally worked out for, worked out for them as well as as it did for Universal, and that's why we don't have a string of of Paramount horror films the way we do Universal. No, but certainly, I mean, the, the, this is a you know big budget film this isn't it just sat on and again not not cropping on you know 31 dracula whatsoever one of my favorite films of all time but yeah. that you go back and, and watch that it looks you know it's, it's certainly dated it's an early 30s film yeah you know one of the first talkies definitely set based this is not that this is, this is you know, and this is a year later and you can right. see that like a lot of the 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 awkwardness has been figured out at this point with sound and with you know everything like that you know you know um dracula they used for the demeter they or it's the vestra in in the in the right. in the movie they used uh footage from another from a silent film and that's why it looks different it's all sped up and you know because it's hand cranked and everything all the shots of the guys in their slickers on the deck and washed over and all that stuff um and then they just did the shots of lugosi so uh no this isn't that i just wanted to point that out that this is you know they they, they went forward with this and maybe they picked the wrong subject matter the wrong temperament of the audience at the time or something and and but but for all that I, that's my point of like you can make a great film and this is a great 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 film and um and it doesn't necessarily end up being the classic that say you know dracula is and some of that is just timing and and luck you know and we're so lucky that you know this this film has been re-released in the last you know 10 15 years and given to such a beautiful presentation yeah. you know yeah. i think paramount's proud of this movie and they and they should be um they should be you know this is this is it's like blade runner blade runner wasn't a big hit when it came out huge huge you know fan base now it's just one of those things that's what I tell myself whenever my films come out and they don't do really well. <laughs> 200 years from now, Jim, you're going to be like, yeah, yeah. give, give it like 75 it. years. <laughs> okay. So, 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 um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, they get to the dock here, um, on, on Moreau's Island. Uh, Moreau has an Island, you know, <laughs> he's, he's, he's one of those guys. Um, and I'll get into that. I think I have some ideas about the history of this island uh, uh, that, that I can get into. But, um, you know, and, and Moreau, 
So, so this is our introduction to Charles Lawton as the character, and he's you know he's erudite. He's 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 obviously very British. Um, he's super polite. He's he's you know he's he's convivial. Um, he, you know he's kind of poorly. Charles Lawton was not a, a slender man uh, by any means, um, but he's also got this agility, and I'll talk about that more too. Uh, uh, that Lawton had Lawton was was pretty acrobatic, and we definitely see that in a oh few gosh. years after this in, in in Hunchback. Holy geez, um, unbelievable. Uh, but um, you know, but at the same time, like we keep getting these looks he's giving Montgomery and stuff, and we know, like you know, again, we're we're going to this kind of knowing that this we know it's a horror movie, so we know everything is not going to be what you know it, what it seems. Um, and uh, you know, but he's like, oh well, Parker, you know, you'll you'll Montgomery thinks Parker's going to stay on the boat. Montgomery obviously is, is like, well, that's the smartest thing, keep it on the boat. Don't let him see the island because he'll see everything. He'll see the house of pain. He'll see everything. Um, uh, but Moreau's like, no, 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 I'm going to bring him onto the island. And and so we, again, we we see Moreau's mind is already starting to calculate, right? Right. He comes to this plan B super quick. I'd be, I'm yeah. kind of curious to, to yeah. learn, I guess it's just, it's anyone's guess, but how long was, you know, the trip back from where they met the Corvina to get the cargo back to the island? So however long the time was, if, it, you know, say two hours, yeah. Monroe, you know, he just, he takes the, the he takes, you know, it's just an equation in his yeah. mind. Now he has Parker. Yeah. Well, how is he going to use Parker in all this? And right. How's he going to turn this situation to his advantage? His advantage. What, you know, his exactly right. Exactly. It is probably is a little bit of a trip back to his island because I, I mean, I think the purpose of Moreau meeting the boat out in the water is that so the captain, because he says he doesn't know where the island is. So Moreau's purposely trying to keep the, the actual location of his island secret. So he's probably goes, goes a ways to meet the captain. So the captain can't figure out where his, you know, sure. his island is and stuff. Um, Cause when he, when he later on gets in trouble with the U S consulate guy, he's like, well, I know I met, I met this guy at, you know, location 33 degrees South, whatever, da, 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 West. Um, and that's, he only generally knows where the island is anyway. Um, so yeah. So Parker is uh, uh, brought uh, in, into Moreau's Island through a cave. There's a, there's a neat cave thing that they have to go through when they, when they first get to it, which is really cool. It totally is. And it's a great chance for us to start seeing the natives. I mean, not only on Moreau's boat, these, you know, half man, half beasts, but when we get yeah. to the Island, just the, the, it's just some of the makeup work. Again, you said earlier, Jim, just how fantastic the, you know, these, these natives look. No, we're introduced to these, these natives. Well, I'm calling them natives and they're not because they're animals that were turned into these things. Um, you know, the ones we see on the boat um, at first, we see Maling, we see uh, Oran kind of, own, and they all seem like, you know, it's like what it's, it's almost like, um, you know, Molokai in, in Hawaii was home to all the, these, this, these leper colon, colonies and stuff. And you get this feeling like maybe, maybe these guys are all linked by some kind of um, like Parker can justify it in his head. Like maybe these guys all have the same malady. Maybe there's something going wrong with this place. Um, it doesn't, we gradually start meeting the, the, uh, the, the beast men that, that are, they're obviously not the victims of some disease. They're obviously, you know, there's something unholy, like I say about them. So, so the movie does a good job of like gradually introducing Parker and the audience into that. Well, it's kind of fun, too, because you get to see the different stages of Moreau's um, experiments and progress. So you see some of these beast men who yeah. you'd have to imagine were probably very, very early on in Moreau's experiments. I mean, they yeah. are more beast than men. Right. Versus right. Maling, who is, you know, certainly becoming more human form. He's a servant. He's got like, you know, like this tux on. He's serving people drink and food. But yeah. at the same time, as Parker and Moreau first get to this island, this thing guys hang from trees full yeah. of fur you know and yeah. so these are you'd well, have to imagine were probably like the first stage second stage experiments I, I, before he really mastered his craft yeah i think you're on to something there and i think that's right i think i think some of the natives that live in this village we see later i keep calling them natives and i don't know why but i'll just keep calling them natives um that, that live that live you know in in the where the sarah law is and stuff 
you do get the feeling maybe they, they're, they're his initial experiments that really didn't work out. And these guys on his boat are, are a next stage where he's like, I'm starting to get this to work. And then Loda obviously is, you know, the, the, the crown jewel. Final. Yeah. 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 But yeah. So I'm, I'm going through this scene now and, you know, they're basically trying to get from the dock to the house and you've got these, um, you know, again, we'll, we'll call them natives because I don't know what else to call them, but well, he calls them natives. So I think that's he calls them natives. Them. So. He says the natives are restless. I mean, that's go. his lie that he tells himself they're natives, which, yeah, I guess they're native to the island. That's where they live. So anyway. Fair enough. So you try and get to the house and yeah, you got the natives around and, you know, Charles Lawton or Moreau for the first time, he pulls out this like Indiana Jones whip action, yeah, uh, which is kind of cool. So to, you know, you mentioned before some of the, uh, you know, athletic or, you know, some of the physicality or the physical ability of Lawton really you know, has a really nice job, kind of pulls a whip off his, off his, you know, sidearm, just, you know, whap and whap. And, yeah. Know. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I think, and I guess this probably won't be the last time I referenced this this version of the movie um, that came out in the nineties. But it's the 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 I'll just call it the Richard Stanley version of the film. I know I know Frankenheimer came in and took over the you know they fired Richard Stanley from I don't know Doctor Moreau in the nineties and brought on Frankenheimer and he directed the film and stuff. Anyway, we, if you don't know that story, there's a there's there's some great documentary uh, on uh, on Richard Stanley's version of this movie that he tried to make uh, a couple you know decades ago. Um, but where it's the one where. Um, uh, Marlon Brando played Moreau. And and so I think somehow that reset the idea of Moreau as this kind of corpulent, helpless, you know, big blobby dude. Um and 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 more the the mind behind the thing, less the the body and stuff. Um but you then you go back to to this and you're like, no, Moreau's actually a pretty, you know, you, you get the feeling he's he's done things, he's explored things and stuff like that. Again, he's capable too. Um with especially, yeah, you get you get a whip in his hand and he's really good. I don't know if Lawton had to train with it or or what, because I've used a whip and you can hurt yourself with a whip. It's not it's not too hard. You can you can throw your arm out first of all, but if you do it wrong and it comes back, you can mess your face up. So yeah, anyway. I'd be willing to bet he got some you know a little bit of training and some great yeah. scenes later on. You know, kind of towards the climax of the film that he's clearly you know I mean the, the camera doesn't cut from him. He's whipping for five, six, seven seconds, and yeah, to your point, yeah. you know, he looks pretty you know pretty professional. I mean, he might have. He might have had some experience with it in personal life previous to this movie. I'm but... gonna leave, I'm gonna leave that alone. But... <laughs> you never know. <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to ask uh, Elsa about that. But I... you like to have some fun with that. Yeah, oh, exactly. <laughs> Um, uh, so, as but, I'm, I'm, so I'm watching the film as we're recording this jam and I just saw Parker, you know, mouth, I, of course I have it on mute, but mouth to Moreau, strange looking natives you have here. So maybe it's Parker that uses that, you know, that quote unquote native term. Yeah. First. Yeah. And, 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 you know, but this is the lie uh, Moreau is selling. Right. And, and to some degree, I think he sold it to himself too. I mean, Moreau is a study of, of uh, a, a, a super ego's ability to justify horrendous, actions and deeds uh you know throughout the film we realize like moreau one of two things is going on here moreau either thinks that he personally exists outside of conventional morality which is a, a common thing in a lot of these older films of these these villains these 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 monomaniacal uh, villains the humans that that do horrible things they like uh, uh valen in the raven where you know he just doesn't think he doesn't think human morals apply to him anymore he thinks he's right. better or superior this god um, complex right yeah but i think the I think that's going on, but I also think Moreau thinks that the work he's doing is so important that it just, you know, the ends justify the means too, to some degree. So, so to some degree, I think he lies to himself and he calls them natives. And to some degree, he's convinced himself that they're natives and not, you know, baboons that have been mutated into some horrible semblance of a human being. Sure. Yeah. So we get to the house and at one point, um, Moreau and Montgomery have kind of a, you know, just a, a, just a little conversation off to the side. 
And this is when Moreau um, kind of opens up his plans to Montgomery, basically saying, um, you know, basically Parker, obviously Parker is new to the island, but in the use for him is he wants to introduce, and he says her to Parker. So yeah. this is before we ever meet uh, Lord of the Panther Woman. So we, you know, Monk, uh, Moreau wants Parker at the house so he can introduce her, introduce him to her. Yeah. And as, you know, as, as Honest Trailer says, that he plays the pronoun game. <laughs> <laughs> where we yeah we have a little bit of a thing. Um, there's a great transition here where where they go from I think they might be on Catalina uh, uh, walking through some of this jungle to um, to the the soundstage set of Moreau's uh, house dwelling mansion yeah whatever you want to call it. Um, it it's a it, it's a the just like everything else the set design on this film is and and production design is off the charts good. Um, this jungle is I mean next to next to King Kong this is probably my favorite old time movie jungle ever in a movie. It just, it looks real enough that you buy it, but it also looks tangled. It's, it's stylistic. There's like, you know, Gustav Dere. It's kind of this Gothic massive twisted trees and stuff, totally. and, you know, probably not totally accurate to whatever a, a, a you know, a, a jungle would have looked like in this part of the world. Um, but they get to Moreau's mansion and house laboratory thing. And, and it's this huge block you know, like huge cement block, not cement, Prison, it's like yeah. stone block. Yeah. Yeah. And you get the feeling that's what I was getting into. What do you think, Scott? Like, I, I feel like this thing was maybe some sort of awful hellish prison in during colonial times yeah, or something like an, or, like an Alcatra- or something like an right? alcatraz or yeah, yeah i mean just the bars on the windows you'd have to think moral right. probably didn't put all of this work into you know the uh, the bars on the windows in these no no, no. yeah yeah you get so. No, and I think you, and you know I think it's old because there's trees. It's kind of ru- a ruin. There's trees growing up through it and stuff. Like it's a, it's an amazing uh, piece of whatever. And you know, small bits of it are are kind of ha- habitable here. Um, but the whole thing is it's all barred and guarded and stuff. And it's such a great. I mean, obviously this suits Moreau's. You know, you get the feeling Moreau was was evil lair shopping at one point. <laughs> it's like, where am I? You know, once he he gets, you know, he tells the story at some point, he gets chased out of England and, you know, after his experiments and stuff. And he, he goes on the uh, abroad and starts looking for a place to settle down and continue his work. And you feel like he you feel like he saw this place and was like sold. Yeah, exactly. Or it reminds me of like, you know, a film 40 years later, Enter the Dragon, where we have Hans Island, yeah. which is yeah. kind of, it, it's kind of off of, like no one really has jurisdiction over, like no countries. And this right. is why Han, anyone that's ever seen Enter the Dragon, yeah. you know, this oh, yeah. evil, you know, drug lord, basically has the run of, you know, this whole island because nobody really has, you know, government jurisdiction over it. So I'm assuming, right. you know, maybe this is, was, you know, part of the attraction from Monroe that, you know, he, re- this is, this island just off in the South Pacific or South Pacific somewhere. Yeah. And, you know, in the, in the, you don't have a coast guard, vast, you, have- you know, billions of square miles of, of this place. He he's, he's found this little place for himself here. <laughs> Nice. I love it, man. I want one of these when I retire. Built, built his house of pain. But yeah, obviously Moreau doesn't build this. And you can see like it's panning around and there's trees growing up through it. And, yeah. and Lon has this, you know, in a Lugosi style way, Lon has this charm. And, and like you said, he's got this boyish twinkle. Yeah. Um, yeah. This mischievous thing. And he he thinks he's mischievous. He doesn't think he's evil. He thinks he's mischievous, which is a whole different kind of it's, thing. This is, yeah, it's just like this arrogance. Like, yeah, this playful. Aren't, like aren't I a naughty boy for right, right, right. animals into human beings? There and is torturing something like house of pain. There's something kind of a little, like a little fay with him. There's something definitely yeah, arrogant. Yeah. With I mean, him. I mean, his, 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 his own nature, I think, I think Lon channels some of his own nature, some of his own mischief, yeah. mischievous, you know, kind of personality. Um, and, and, and finds a way, like, I think, I think, I think Lon 
playing a version like what if I, I think it's like what if i happen to be a mad scientist right like, that's kind of what he's doing he's not yeah. he's not affecting a different accent he's not you know doing right he's, he's sort of like what if i charles on you know nice actor dude happened to be a hideous villain and mad scientist like that's sort of he's finding that bridge in the middle of, of himself and the character oh I, again i'm as we're recording this and i don't do this too often but this is one i wanted to kind of watch while we're recording and he he's walking around and he has this smirk on his face yeah. It is so, it is so funny. Like he loves his work. I mean, he honestly, yeah, like, he's having so say, much fun. He enjoys what he does. For a yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what he does is hideous, but, but he's, he has fun with it. Oh my um, God. Like this mustache and like the goatee. And he said, he's yeah. got like this pant, like this white suit on and he's got this friggin' smirk. Yeah. You know, walking around just yeah, he's got this Charlie Chan kind of thing going on with a little beard and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. That's so iconic that, that I think now any, anybody who tends to look like that, you go, Dr. Moreau, like, like, yeah, yeah. you know, that as, as iconic as, as say like the Frankenstein monster is in, in his own way, uh, uh, Lawton and, and, and the director created this, this character that is almost kind of iconic, the bullwhip and stuff. I'm surprised th- are there action figures of Lawton as Moreau? I'm not sure if they've ever licensed <laughs> that. I, you know, I mean, that would be a cool line to have. You have like, like, you know, Loda and, and all the beast men and Moreau and you oh, know, Montgomery man. and you can have your little, the action play set of the thing of, the, of his thing, the house of pain action play set oh, separately. I love it. I love it. Crazy. Your own, your own vivis. My first vivisection. Um, <laughs> all right. That might, be, that, that might be the Christmas gift of 2021. Yeah. Never know. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, so, yeah. So we're getting into, um, again, I'm just going to go real, back to really quick, just the, that, that conversation between Moreau and, and Montgomery. And um, you know, Moreau's stats, he's talking yeah. about, more about um, so Loda's, her, her sexuality, that she, again, we talked about a little bit before that. He considered Loda to be his crown jewel achievement. Yes. So he, for his own ego, is trying to convince himself that she is the perfect human being. So introducing Parker, who's you know a handsome, handsome man, handsome actor, she's he's looking for an attraction. They she he wants them to you know mate and um, you know yeah. reproduce, and that, really that's kind of his end goal. With well, I, I think that's his. That'll be the thing that yeah, I think in his mind that'll be the thing that proves that he has created humans. If 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 the things if the animals that he's turned into type human type people can successfully breed with humans, then that means that he has mutated the species into an actual human species. Like he's actually succeeded, and I think he part of this is like he does somehow in his own twisted way think this is his ticket back to to status and 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 you know whatever you know his part in in. British culture, he sh- he somehow thinks if he shows up with a panther woman and a baby, <laughs> that they're going to be yeah. like, oh, he was right the whole time. Good job. Right. And, and that's something we see about, you know, I mean, we see that all the way up to like um, uh, Bride of the Monster, you know, the Ed Wood movie with, with Lugosi, where he's like, I, the authorities have found that you were right the whole time. Right, right. Like, right. Home, I have no home. Yeah, no, it's so I'm true. Despised. Like, it's the same thing, you know, this jungle hell. Sorry, no, I'm just. I'm just rolling with Legos. Uh, no, Moreau mentions that later on that you know he's gonna he wants to basically package up Loda, bring her back to England, and you know, you're exactly right. He's gonna Loda's gonna be his 
um, you know, ticket back to um, society. Yeah, yeah. It brings me back to like, you know, they do it kind of, you know, a couple of movies with Hammer, like the Peter Cushing character is that, you know, of course, he's been on the run, this Baron Frankenstein creator of monsters. And his hope is to create this perfect being that, you know, again, bring is he's going to it's going to be his ticket back to high society. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and there's this that's this is this era where there's this dangerous overlap between like science and like being like a P.T. Barnum type showman too, like um and 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 again we'll talk about long shadows let's talk about uh john hammond in jurassic park right i mean that's sort of hammond's thing he starts out as as this guy he's like he's going to take the science and make this great amusement park he's like he's like a capitalist and then he becomes this character in the movies at least because i think in the book he dies um in the first book um spoilers uh, uh, mm-hmm. he, the legacy of John Hammond ends up becoming that 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 he he wants to improve the human you know the world by bringing back these these you know amazing creatures that that you know humans or whatever. So I'm just saying like again we these long shadows. Sure. So we get, yeah we learn Moreau and you know that's really that's his next piece of experimental business is to get Parker and loaded together and um, you know see if they can make magic happen. So mm-hmm. next scene is uh, it's really cool. It's kind of our first introduction our first introduction to Lotus. So it's Moreau coming into her room and basically says, I have a man, I have a man from the sea and you can talk to him about anything except basically talk to him, talk to him about anything except you can't talk about me and you can't talk about the house of pain, but basically Loda, you know, tap into what, you know, your human instincts and I'm going to give you this attractive man. And basically yeah. you do whatever you want to. Cause Moreau um, knows that like, you know, he, he and Montgomery both uh, are equate to fear and horror. He says it, you know, up out front um, uh, for, for Lotus. So she, she's not going to have that attraction to them, but here's this younger man and, and who doesn't, you know, he just doesn't have those negative connotations with. So yeah, they, they have a little dinner, you know, where they're sitting here and, and having some brandy or rum or something like that. You know, um, Montgomery is, there's a subplot here where because Montgomery lost his job at, as a, as a doctor, cause he's a drunk. Um, that's the the implication, I think. And Moreau kind of part of Moreau's control over him is he keeps providing him with with drink. He keeps him kind of does, and we see he does the same thing with the captain later on. Sure. And and there's a good moment at the end where on the last night where Montgomery decides not to drink and Moreau's really suspicious because he's like, right. He knows like something's up. When when Montgomery's not drinking, he knows something's up. <laughs> you know, hang on. There's something That's happening. True. Here. I know. Um, but they're sitting here in the dinner. And they hear the screams from the house of pain and um, Moreau sort of, he sees that Parker hears it and Parker's like freaking out. Like, what is that? And Moreau is looking at him and saying, you know, you know, I, I count on your discretion. You know, he's, or you're a discreet man or something like that. I, I, you know, um, it's a, it's, there's a sort of implied thing between gentlemen, maybe like it wouldn't be, you know, he, he's his host, he's protecting him. He's going to try and get him back to the thing. Uh, it would be impolite of Parker to question what's happening within his house, right? Um, uh, and, and that's the that that that's what Moreau's hoping uh, will be. You know, so I, I think he is. Is he planning on on letting Parker go at this point after he he I th- I th- does his business with with, with Panther so. Woman? I think so. I think. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just guessing here, but I think once I think his hope is that Parker, you know, whatever, you know, if this if if Loder is you know 95 percent human, getting her getting together either sexually or emotionally with Parker yeah. is going to put her over the edge. So I think once Lo, you know Loder goes to you know becomes this, this full human woman, I think yeah. he would just let Parker go. I don't. I, I think. I mean, I don't. I, I don't. I don't, I don't feel like he's like a, keeping Parker there all the time. I don't but, feel but, like he's but, a. I don't feel like he's a killer. I don't. Well, I, I mean, yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't want to. If he doesn't have to, 
Um, and I think he, I think he eventually knows like, look, this, this guy's from the real world. Eventually someone's going to figure out, you know, come looking for him and stuff. I, I should try to keep this. So, so, so he's playing this kind of dangerous game. Um, uh, at some and, point, and, more- and Parker's going along with it again. Again, we talk about Parker's playing this long game where he's like, I need, I do need to be discreet because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at the mercy of this guy. And yeah, he knows but- something's not right about this guy. I mean, he, he definitely knows, but right now, I think I me, mean, Moreau's long game is, I think this is all going to come out in the wash eventually anyways, right? If Loda is this, you know, the perfect specimen, the the hundred percent, you know, human being woman that yeah. she, you know, she can, or he can bring Moreau can bring to England and the, really the world. I think he would open up this whole Island to whoever wants to see it. And it's like, you know, this is where I came from. This, this is, it's basically like a, a window into his, you know, not only, I don't say yeah, madness, yeah. but his genius. Right. So I don't think he really cares if Parker, you know, by the time he has low to where, you know, Moreau wants her, I don't think he would really care what Parker says. Yeah. Yeah. As long, but as long as like, he, you know, this is the whole thing and this, you know, the, the logic of this film adds up so well, as long as, as Parker doesn't see the house of pain, I, he thinks he's okay. Exactly. If, yep. if Parker sees that, that's, that's the, that's, that's sort of like going behind the scenes at Disneyland where you see like where the characters come in and out and stuff, you know, all the tunnels and stuff they talk about. Like <laughs> as long as he doesn't see that stuff, uh, the, the illusion maintains. That's right. No, Moreau is, is very clear to Parker. Like, you know, you welcomed here. I think he actually calls him an uninvited guest, but, yes. he, but you hear, and my, my ask of you is stay in your room. Like don't leave this house and eventually as you know he he does leave and you know there's no one ever yeah no one ever right obeys finds him in the house of pain and it kind of becomes a whole thing but we'll we'll get there but yeah um so not too shortly after yeah so goes into the house of pain and uh moreau and and montgomery are working on this you know one of the we'll call him the nato one of the natives and he's screaming and twisting just you know an awful an awful pre-code scene we'll say yeah no he um, sees it and he's just just the screams alone i mean after 34 there's no way those screams are getting no. they're hideous they're it's an amazing moment that's right it's like they're operating without anesthesia you know and it's exactly just, it's just this thing I oh think. it's terrible um so many of these things like after 34 you could see um are never going to do it. um so we are introduced uh you know we're introduced to, to loda slowly you know we don't see her at first it's it's i mean the directions uh just it's just so well done and he leads her there and we, we we see her only briefly until she comes into the room with Parker. And and this is our introduction to Kathleen Burke, who was a model. Uh, and I guess she 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 worked in like a dentist office or something. And then she she won a contest to be in this movie. Right. Oh, no kidding. I don't I didn't hear that. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Uh, it's I, I, well, it's on IMDb. So it must be true. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she uh, she um, yeah, she entered a contest to be like the new the panther woman or something and nice. you know she does and and she's just got enough of a an ethnic look i guess that at the time they were like oh she could pass as almost polynesian looking um and that's because that's the lie that that moreau is 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 selling is that these are these are you know south south pacific you know people uh uh, and that's why they can't, they don't talk to them. So they're just, they're just primitive people, right? They're, they're not, you know, um, and Catholic. So, so here's Catholic Burke, which, which in the, in the hierarchy of, of, you know, women in, in, in horror movies of the thirties and fifties, for me, Kathleen Burke is really close to the top. I think it might be Zito Johan, Kathleen Burke, uh, you know, right at, right at the top. She's, she's amazing. In this she's great as the character, um, she doesn't play it. She, she plays it like an animal. That's a little skittish around a, a human being. And and that's sort of, you know, we, we can, I think Parker sees that as like, she's just this like, you know, un, uncultured, uh, per, you know, native per, girl who's not used to people and 
yeah. smoking and you know drinking and stuff like that. Um, so funny you bring up Zita Johan. That's exactly who I thought of. Just her, the face and those big eyes. And, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly who it is. Yeah, yeah. And and she's she was a great actress because she goes from this and then she goes and does Murders in the Zoo with Lionel Owl and she's you know a totally different. She's a, this you know wealthy cultured woman in, in that and stuff like that. So you know, so and she did she did like a, a couple more movies. She did like you know like a dozen films and stuff. And then like around like the late thirties, she's she's done and um, she has some stage work and you know gets married and she lives a long time too. She lives to like the eighties or something. So so anybody you know, that wants again to- one of these people who just you know got in there, did some movies and got out before. So know. anybody anybody out there, if you see a contest saying that you too can be yeah. the Panther Woman and wear loincloth cloths and walk around jungles enter that contest because it could be you just saying yeah yeah, no exactly and she does i mean she does the whole movie wearing not a whole lot and and i you know i you know i guess what's acceptable for the 30s uh i guess she's sort of wearing like jane and tarzan type attire you know kind of a sarong thing um but i love how she's got this crazy hair like her hair is not super quaffed or anything so they do a good job of of you know they make her up obviously you you can see she's got lipstick and eyeshadow and and big eyes and stuff um but um but they do a good job of making her hair kind of this crazy mess so that that she doesn't feel too quaffed you know she feels like she's just right out of the trees she kind of reminded me like somebody like i'm looking at her now like that big she's like this big like almost rock necklace like something out of like out of the flintstones (laughs) i was just gonna say the flintstones or or it's it's what uh uh they joke about what uh uh uh, uh, Lisa Simpson wears in the cartoon, right? <laughs> she's the big rock necklace for some reason. She's a, there's a moment where she's like, "Why do I dress like a cavewoman?" Everyone else wears clothes, right? Oh, this is like Betty Rubble. This could be totally Betty Rubble. Like <laughs> yeah, this is a very Simpsons heavy episode. Yeah, um, yeah. We're, we're recording here. Um, uh, yeah. So, so this is you know they they start hearing the screams again, and Parker's like, "What the hell?" Because you know Montgomery comes running out, like like Moreau's like kind of spying on Loda and and Parker in a, in a very creepy voyeuristic way. Um, because he, but, but I mean, in his mind, he's, I don't think he's, I don't think he's, uh, I don't think he's aroused by what he's watching. I think he's actually, you know, from a cold clinical way, you know, hundred percent. This is, this is the last watching, watching how this works. Yeah. This is right. This is the last piece of his loader experiment. Like if this goes well and she, you know, becomes attracted to him and vice versa. And, you know, really this is like, this could be like the, the epiphany of this, of this experiment, all this hard work in his thinking. And in a 1930s thinking that the, the, the ultimate, you know, expression of being a woman is to be attracted to a man and want to fall in love. I mean, that's right. That's in their way of thinking. Uh, uh, That's, that's his, again, like we said, like that, that's, that's his clue that he succeeded. So he's, and then of course, yeah, it's, it's all interrupted. Montgomery comes running out dressed as like, you know, in the, in the scrubs and the mask, like a mad scientist. He's like, Moreau got in here, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, uh, Moreau goes in and, and there is hideous screaming and, and Parker's obviously shocked out of the moment. Cause Parker's very charmed by Loda. You know, he's, he's a courteous guy. I don't think he's initially like, Hey baby, you know, you know, with no, her. He wants to get back to, he wants to get back to Ruth. That's right. I mean, it says at one point, yeah, I'm, 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 I have a girl I'm uh, engaged and, you know, you yeah. plant a, plant a big one on load. Well, he says that right. Yeah. He says that right before he makes out with her, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. We'll get to that. So, um, so, so okay. yeah, so he, he runs in um, and, and, and he, like you said earlier, he, he sees what Moreau and, and Montgomery are doing and is like, and is horrified. Um, uh, and to Parker's credit, the his really, his first instinct is to grab Loda and get off this island. Yeah. He's, he's like, we obviously he's to... horrified by what he's seeing. Yeah. And... Yeah. He's like, these guys are, these guys are out of their minds. We need right. to get the F out of here. That's right. Um, and Richard Arlen does it. He does. I mean, 
you know, the, the characters, the character, but Richard Arlen does a great job in this movie. Um, there's, there's a bit of where, you know, he, he, he stands there and he looks at, at what Moreau's doing to this, you know, creature on the table. And you see this moment where like his, it's like his brain is trying to figure out what he's seeing, you know? And at the same time, he's like, he's trying not to just go, go crazy just from what he's seeing. Like, yeah. It's exactly. so hideous that you see, it's almost this like, you know, you get into this with like Lovecraft and stuff where like people can see things that are so out of control and saying that they actually just snaps their mind and they're, the they go crazy crash. for the rest right. of their lives. It's kind of like, like, you know, like a Renfield kind of thing. You know? Yeah, um, totally. He, he and he is he is a very Renfield character where he's he's stuck here with this monster in this castle. Um, and, but he and, sees it and it's like he's he's trying to sort out in his brain like he's never seen anything even remotely like this. So he's his brain's trying to figure out a context to you know frame this and and uh, and but yeah he 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 immediately is like okay you you and I are getting off this island. And I love the I mean just a really quick little you know snippet of of performance by Lawton. But for the first time, I mean up until now he's kind of been this cool, collected, sly, oh, yeah. Yeah. mischievous. But when Parker walks in and kind of you know and startles him and almost like you know sees what he shouldn't see, yeah. Lawton or you know Moreau just you know he screams and says you know get, exactly what he says, but almost like you know get out of here, or, get out, get out, yes, you know, yeah, get exactly. out. It does just total anger, maniacal insanity. Yeah. Um, which is yeah. a you know fantastic piece because it's work. already like thing, things are not going well, you know, right uh, for him and stuff. But, um, but I love, I love that shot. I, I'd like to still frame that shot where you know Montgomery has these like welder's goggles on, like a mad scientist and stuff. And I love, um, and and you know they're, they're doing these hideous things to these creatures, and yet you know they take the time to put on their their gowns and their and their rubber gloves, right? Because they don't. <laughs> <laughs> um we t- we joked about this with uh in in captive wild woman with with john carradine i was like like he'll cut your brain out but he's going to make sure it's antiseptic when he does it because <laughs> they're that kind of professional um, um, um so yeah so 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 they're going to make the getaway and and here we see like what the there's a great shot where they run away and like you see their shadows cast really big on the wall and then um uh they're instantly followed by uh by um What's his name? Uh, Oran, um, which is, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk more about Oran uh, later on. So he's this big hulking uh, kind of ape-like. You don't know what he originally was, but, you know. I, I um, have him in my notes as Hulk native. Can we just call him Hulk native? Hulk native? Yeah, sure. Yeah, you know. Easy for, it's um, going to be easier for me to remember. So. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll get to him. I want to talk about the actor that played him uh, in, a, in a bit. But um, so here we have this really critical moment and this is this is maybe we talk about iconic moments this is a huge where they where they come along this path come to this rise and it's revealed that there's this little village below them with these kind of thatch huts and and a bonfire and stuff <clears throat> and you know the the idea is that this like I, and i think you hit on it and i don't know if this ever just computed in my mind like this is where moreau's like initial creatures that he created like he he later on talks about there's some ones that just paddle his or power his thing they, they walk on a wheel you know um uh, yeah, like probably a, first generation experiments. Yeah. And you feel like that's, that's where the guys who do this, that's, this is where they live. Like they work in shifts and it's almost like they work in a mine or something They you know, oh, 10 hours on the wheel, 10 hours off, you know? Right. Um, and they come on this, this village of these, these creatures. Parker's like, you know, whacking the, the, the pursuing creatures, you know, with a, with a, uh, with a stick. And, and they come in and they suddenly they're surrounded by, you know, these, these creatures. And there's like, dozens of these guys made up as these creatures i mean and i don't know if like the only thing i can think of an equivalent is like a you know a modern day or a latter day i should say like zombie movie or like 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 yeah, exactly you know, just you like know, dawn of the movie. dead or something like that where like the makeup call was is ridiculous it must they must start at like 3 a.m and you're getting through like two dozen 
and you know, you, you the way you, the way you do this, if I can break off real quick, that you know, you, you have sort of the hero makeups in the front, like you have like, um, and the way you do this in a production is you have you break it down into into layers. So you have like the hero makeup. So you have like the four or six guys in front that you give the really amazing stuff to. Then you have sort of a middle layer where it's more more like hair and some things like that. And then you have a background layer where maybe you just throw masks on or things like that. You know, people that are more out of focus and stuff. And that's how you kind of triage this kind of of, of a show. But this is. I, I just don't know if this is anyone who ever even tried this before, like in, in a horror film, like to do like 40 guys in makeup. I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, I'm watching the scene now, so it's not like these guys are even really layered. Like it's the, the camera work is kind of over. It's over. It's almost like it's a cliffside looking down at the campfire. Yeah. And these guys, it's almost like a circular um, oh, yeah. formation, right? I mean, these guys are all pretty much made up. And this is where we first meet Bella Lugosi. Yes. Um, you know, for the first time is uh, the, the sayer of the law. And yeah, let's let's get into Bella a little bit. I know we've kind of, you know, we've thrown around a lot of. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so, so obviously Bella's a year out from doing Dracula. And I think he probably did White Zombie right around this time too, right? Definitely. Yeah. Um, 32. Yep. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, he, take, he takes this gig, which is. It's interesting because he, he it's it's not a lead role. It's a it's a you know a supporting character. I, I I've come to realize how critical the Sarah Law is in the context of the story. I, I think he's he's really important, and I'm I'm just thankful Bella played him. Obviously, but it does seem like a big step down from doing Dracula down to this. And I I guess that's just you know that's Bella having bad contracts and not making a whole lot you know on his on his films and needing to work and needing to you know support and. Whatever. Yeah, um, he's, he's fourth build in this film. It certainly doesn't feel like he's a fourth build, right? I mean, he's he doesn't have a whole ton to do. Like he's a, the, the scenes that he's in are fantastic, and yeah, you know, as he's reciting, you know, the different laws. You know, we will not eat meat. Yes. You know, yes. N- not to eat. You know, what is the law? Not to eat meat. What is the law? You know, we do not right. walk on all yeah. fours. Not to go on all fours and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, do not spill blood. Uh, so every time he's reciting those lines, it's it's just yeah. fantastic. It's such. It's just great Lagos. Oh, oh no, no, and he, and he owns it when he does it, and he plays very critically towards the end you know um i just it's an interesting i i would be interested to hear you know what made him decide to do this he, uh, uh this this kind of role but obviously he, it's it's a great part um bella in this movie is he's heavily covered in fur um i mean he's got like a, a wig that goes down it basically starts at his eyebrows and goes up and he's got a beard that almost goes up to his eyes so there's about like four i've got it st- i've got it paused right now in a great shot of his a close-up of his um there's about like four square inches of his face that you can see and he's got a contact in one of his eyes which i don't know how they achieved that at the time i don't know if that's something on top of his eye or if they they would do you know the skin okay do you want to hear something gross you know the the the, the thin skin on top if you hard boil an egg and, you, and you, you take the shell off and then there's that thin layer of membrane stuff on top of the oh, the, sure. the white they would sometimes try to get that into people's eyes as a, as a blind eye kind of oh, thing. No Can you imagine trying to stick something like that in your, Ugh. this is long before uh contacts were, were a real viable kind of option, but it, it almost looks like they did do something, some kind of contact with him. And yeah, I mean, I just remember I've read quite a bit, you know, Christopher Lee and, you know, the, again, the hammer Dracula, the, you know, late fifties and the sixties, how painful yeah. and how awful those. He, yeah. Were. He hated those. They were right. hard and glass and they were really painful. Not, nothing probably, like the soft gas permeable contacts we, we have and, now. And this is 30 years before that. So yeah, this I is can't even imagine what the archaic at that point. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Um, I, I I will say I I mean I think Bella's makeup in this movie works. Uh, it's okay. He looks very furry. Um, uh, he he wears like a shirt and a with a with a pants and a belt 
and his shirt is tucked in and stuff like that. So, and he talks pretty well. So you get the feeling that the Sayer of the law is somehow maybe, maybe he's a ladder guy who's in charge of these, these more primitive guys somehow. Um, but I also do think he exists as some sort of uh, uh, religious kind of leader. Like he, he, the, these, these creatures have now organized into, and this is a really interesting thing. They've organized into this kind of a cult and, to some degree, they worship certain things and they kind of, the the house of pain factors heavily into their cosmology. And, and Bella is, as the say of the law is sort of this, you know, middle ground character between them and Moreau and, and what happens. And he's the one who tries to keep him in line. And, and, you know, he says like, he is, his is the hand that makes, his is the hand that heals, his is the house right. of pain. They worship Moreau as a God on this Island. And Moreau, yeah. I think is engineered it that way. And that plays out very interestingly at the end. Um, back to his makeup, though, I, I do think it's effective, but there are photos of, of, of Lugosi in a pre- previous makeup that they tried on him, um, which I love. And, and I think it probably gave him a lot more humanity, gave him, would have helped him in the performance to do, to, to, it would have helped more of Lugosi to come out physically in the performance. Here, it's like, you almost could have put anyone in this in this makeup, right? Right, Scott? And I think, and I think it would have been more fitting for the role that he's in. Clearly, he is, you know, we'll call him a, you know, he's not a, a, a generation one experiment of guys yeah. that are just, you know, on these water wheels. He is probably a step, you know, maybe on the same line as, as Loda. I mean, he is intelligent. Yeah. He yeah. is, like you said, he's kind of like, you know, he's, he's the, he's the, 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 the priest almost yeah 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 this group so to me it would have been more more appropriate for him to look less beast like and again we'll and we'll post that or anybody can google it yeah. to you know look at you know make, makeup design bell his original stuff yeah. yeah um i i do i think there's probably a decision on the part of the producers directors whatever filmmakers and that that, that he maybe did look too human and it would be confusing. Like, is he whatever? He also looks, as much as I love that makeup, he looks very evil. He looks Mephistophelian kind of, you know, he's got the, almost the, he looks more like uh, Murder Legere in White Zombie than, than, than he does in his, in the makeup they, they settled on for this movie. I was, um, thinking, I was thinking more Ewok from uh, Return of the Jedi. <laughs> Return of the Jedi. <laughs> good. Um, it, but it's, you know, there, there's some appliance stuff and, and his head's bumpy. He kind of, you know, he kind of yeah, looks yeah. like a Klingon, like the old school Klingons yeah. in the sixties. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Star Trek. Um, so I think they decided like, no, he needs to be more like a beast so that we, there's no misunderstanding what he is. And, and okay. That's what it is. He still gets to do a lot of physical flourish with his hands. He gets to arch his back and, and walk in a funny way and stuff like that. And so, so a lot of Bella, I will say still comes through in this, in this show. Yeah, um, but I and, think you, I think you nailed it really. It's describing this character who is this, who is a Sarah of the law. He is like, he is like the, he's the keeper of, of, of the law. He's a keeper of, of the, of the rule book. So when these sad, Savages and these natives have any kind of question on, you know, if they start, you know, leaning towards the animal instincts, you know, Bella brings them back. Like, you know, who are yeah. we? Are we man? Are we beasts? Yeah. Basically, they have three rules that, you know, and, and the big one is we can't spill blood or you know, not to spill blood. Basically, they can't be violent to yeah. anybody. Certainly not, not to spill blood. Not right. to eat meat, which becomes a big thing later on. Right. <laughs> not, right. not to go on all fours. He he is he is trying to keep these these human in these 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 animal people more on the people side than the animal side because there's right. this idea that they revert and this this goes into this i've gotten into this in the other episodes i won't overlong it but i think there's this weird idea about you know evolution was becoming a, a more 
understood and 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 accepted uh, theory in, in in around this time in the 30s. And I think there was this sort of natural idea of like, well, if we can come from animals, is it possible for us to revert back to the animal state too? Is it, does the door swing both ways? And I, I think this film plays with that quite a bit. Sure. And you you mentioned it earlier, but I don't want to gloss over it again, going back to what we said earlier about this, this being a pre-code film and just some of the dialogue that certainly would have been, you know, cut. Yeah. Um, so Bellar had mentioned, you know, his being Monroe, his is the hand that makes, mm-hmm. his is the hand that heals. And I, you, know, you mentioned it earlier, Jim, and I just want to repeat that. I mean, just you think about the religious um, yeah. effects. Yeah. Like, there's no way in hell that those lines, that dialogue would ever, ever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm sure those lines didn't make it into a lot of showings of this film, too. I'm sure some a lot of local theaters were like, nope, snip. Um, uh, which is again always it's a it's miraculous when they can find you know really good prints that that aren't chopped up like crazy at these films to restore. Um, but but Moreau has set himself up as the god of these these cre- these poor creatures, um, and that's what happens when you play God. You know um, you accept that role and everything comes with it. And, and and again this this is the this is the morality tale that that does keep this film from just being an exercise in perversion. Right? Yeah, um, exactly. It runs through and it really makes it art. Uh, yeah. Um, so uh yeah so so they're surrounded you know uh uh loda and and um parker are surrounded and then there's a big gong and it turned here's moreau standing on the hill with his whip and everything and um and he's like you know what is the law you know and all the like dozens of these guys like i'm I'm just watching now and like i think they reused them in different shots and different shots but there's now that now i'm looking at like there's like 50 of these guys and it's unbelievable this is the part you know where we see all these these creatures that that um, and and with what he saw in in the in the house of pain, where Parker can't, I don't think he can any longer rationalize that that this island just happens to be populated with some particularly ugly human beings. <laughs> um, he knows something's up, and 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 um, and Moreau knows it too. So you know, so, so Moreau manages to you know chase. You know, he 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 has to say the law, recite the law, the laws. Um, wh- you know, whips the cracks the whip a few times and stuff and and the natives uh, all all go away because they are very afraid of him i mean he has it's interesting that him by himself you know it's him and, and i guess montgomery really um he controls you know 50 human beings out of fear and and you know we not to get whatever but this is sort of how isn't this kind of how you know governments work is like a few people controlling a lot of people just just out of um necessity the, the power yeah but power. but it's like it's like you know th- they only have the power that that is given them and when the people decide that they don't want those people to have the power anymore things change rapidly because those those leaders are always going to be outnumbered um uh um so but but anyway so so moreau leads them back to his fortress thing his lab um and he decides he's going to have to talk to Parker now he's going to have to try to explain what he's trying to do and and get Parker on on his side at least because the cat's out of the bag so to speak yeah it's, and they have a- it's the cat's out of the bag and it's walking around the jungle and talking <laughs> <laughs> so, it might be Loda who knows yeah exactly so um you know he 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 we get into this little bit of of and it's it's the gobbledygook stuff that we talk about about science versus you know you know black magic and everything that we see in these movies um and and he again it's 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 uh it's Lon's affability you know that that sells this thing he's walking around he's got his whip and stuff and he's like pointing to things and he's like oh that's you know he's like i i did a simple thing i i struggled for years and i finally figured out like a thing in the germplasm that i could i could change and suddenly i could i could affect things and he points out like you know, 
different plants. And he's like, that's, that's, that's a rutabaga. That's a, that's, there's a funny, like that's unfortunately some asparagus and there's like an 80 foot tall asparagus plant right there. Um, yeah, he calls uh, like, can you imagine eating that and what your pee would smell like. Um, well, he can, yeah, he conducts like I think he says organic experiences on like these flowers. But it, yeah, it's so funny. I, I think we've been working together too long, Jim. I literally have scientific gobbledygook in my notes. <laughs> see, 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 that's we we've determined our own vernacular for that thing. Um, but it's no, it's so interesting. Much- you know, he what he's talking about is altering this germplasm. I did just a little bit of research on it. And, you know, basically, what he's doing is is stem cells. Like he's he's taking the the base genetic code of 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 a thing and altering it at the at the beginning of it of its thing so that then when that cell starts reproducing it carries the change that he's put into it he's 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 doing genetic alteration and this is before Watson Crick and uh, Maurice Williams and Rosalind Franklin all the people that didn't get credit for DNA uh, all the women that they sort of forgot um this is this is 30 years before those people you know did crack you know crack dna and 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 showed us what the building blocks of all living you know life on on this planet is um so it's really it's prescient and i don't know how much again i haven't read i haven't read the books i don't know how much of that scientific gobbledygook is 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 in the book uh or or how much of it was was sort of brought into just just for the just for the movie um but it's believable you're like oh okay he, he did the thing and and I like that, you, you know, um, Henry Frankenstein's first attempt at, you know, you know uh, the creating life is, you know, he has a heart that he keeps beating for a while, he says. But then the next one is the monster, um, which, while it doesn't turn out the way he wants it, is, is still like, I mean, I feel like you could... You could show someone the monster, you know, a scientific thing, and they'd be like, "Well, that's impressive, right?" <laughs> you would think so. Yeah, you, you did bring something to life. It's not pretty, but you brought it to life. Okay, well, um, it's got kinda... the Abbey normal brain. But 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 Moreau talks. He's like he's like he failed and failed and failed and failed until he he got to even the point where he created these like these beastie men, right? I mean, th- he talks about the dog that that went running from his lab screaming, which is is it's a great evocative. Um, you know, they they don't do a flashback. It's just long telling the story verbally while they're walking through the, the well, jungle this but is wow. what i like about this conversation between Paco and moreau because you do get a little bit of an insight on moreau's backstory and even montgomery too where yeah he's yeah. experimenting he's a you know a, i'm assuming a college student because you know that he mentions that um montgomery was a, a college student as well yeah so you think it's probably very you know henry or victor frankenstein you know in medical school right doing these experiments and yeah he had a do- experiment on a dog and like whatever happened the dog like jumped up and ran through the streets of london which basically but, sticked the police and he says he him. says screaming which you know a dog doesn't really scream a dog barks or yells and stuff so so you get this idea of this dog who's yelling with kind of a human voice that yeah <laughs> and so moreau has the gtfo um he's he's not welcome in in, in england anymore right and, and that leads to it. so so moreau is showing uh a, a sympathetic side here he in in that he's he's like look this always hasn't worked out for me but i have this i had this goal that I think is worthwhile and I've been working towards it. And I, I, I need you to understand that, 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 that while that comes with a certain amount of barbaric, whatever cost, he's trying to get Parker to be like, Oh, well, okay, well, your, your intentions are good. So I'll ignore the fact that you have an entire jungle full of mutated creatures that you've created. But you you know what? It kind of works. And we'll get into it, you know, a little bit later on the scene with, with Loda. But Parker, yeah. I mean, and, and we get to learn, 
Parker is willing to forgive and forget all of this, all this monstrosity and all the torturing on these natives and the house, whole house of pain thing. At it, some point, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, we'll get to it again. It's only until he feels like there's there's real danger to this to Loda is that he wants to expose. Monroe. That's like, I'll expose you to high heaven and you know, right. everything will but know. But until this doing. point. I don't know. At this point, yeah. Park is like, you know, he just wants to get the hell off this island and go see Ruth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that's what that what does make Parker just a little bit of a less heroic character than you want him to be. Yes. Um, and, and again, that's my you know thing. Montgomery, who is complicit in all these things, you know, much more than Parker, um, is the one who has the the, the change of heart and stuff. So so yeah. Anyway, it, it um, an interesting or an interesting line here, and it brings me back to, of course, the edited um, the, the edited um, yes. line from Frankenstein. You know, now I know what it feels like to be God. Moreau mm-hmm. asks Parker, "Do you know what it mean? Do you know what it means to feel like God? To feel like God? That's and, in something. What is it? Is it? Is it a? Is it a white zombie song? I don't know. There's, I, do you know? Oh, what it, it is. Like Absolutely like right. It's in. It's in 100%. something. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, 100%. yeah. 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 Rob, Rob used that for something. That's right. Um, yeah, but you know, again, he he work. He starts with plants, and he you know he go he works up to animals and stuff, and um, yeah, you know, he he. Uh, well, this is the scene too that Moreau hands parker his gun and basically says you know if i i don't mean you any any harm like oh right if i meant you harm i could have killed you by now i could have fed you to the natives basically here's my revolver keep this on you and i hope you feel protected and you know at least you know you start to to trust me here um and he never does he never takes it back because because parker has that gun at the end of the movie right right that's right. Oh, that's interesting. I remember I was watching it the other night. And I was like, wait, where's he get the gun at the end of the movie? And I realized that this is where he does. No. Um, you know, I just, I mean, the island itself is so great because, you know, you're, 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 you're Parker, right? And you're stuck on this island. And, you know, first of all, I mean, later on, we, we the boat, the boat gets whatever, but like, not only you're stuck on an island, but there's, you know, but, but in the very small safe space that you're in, then you have to run this, this gauntlet, right. To get just to the, to the shore where the boat is. And that's impenetrable. Then you're you're on an island in the middle of the Pacific and stuff like that. Like Parker's so screwed here. Like is my he is. point. For, I mean, like, it's so you get that you get that he's like, you know what? I, I don't care. Just I want to get off the island. This is exactly. this is insane. The self preservation, um, and I dare you find anybody that wouldn't do the same thing. I certainly would. I mean, you you, you, you you'd at least you say that. Like, oh, I won't say anything until I get off the island. That's right. Exactly. Hey, he hey, just wants hey, to get- hey, about this dude. <laughs> He wants to get off the island, and literally, it's like the the day after he's expecting to leave, and Moreau's going to have a ship for him and the whole thing. Yeah, that's the and, plan. Yeah, we'll get to this. We'll get to the scene, but up until this point, Park is just like you know, just smiling and like you know, just yeah. going going with the flow here because he wants yeah. to get he wants to survive. He wants to get off of this island, and right, you no, know, without Moreau's help, he's yeah. there's no way he's getting you know getting yeah, back yeah, to, yeah. to London or wherever. I just. I just, I just think about the art director. I'm just at this part of the scene. I just think the art director was like, has to task somebody. He's like, okay, well, we need for tomorrow is a 30 foot asparagus <laughs> and go. <laughs> okay. You know, <laughs> um, again, I always just go back to, I just like to remind people like they had to make all this stuff. You don't just go buy a big asparagus. You don't just find, I mean, sometimes you can find an old, and this is the difference between, I will say between the American studio system in the thirties and fifties. And then when you get into with like hammer horror and stuff where if they needed an old ruined castle uh for for you know uh, uh uh one of the hammer films they would just go film in an old ruined castle somewhere in england we don't have that stuff in los angeles so all this stuff someone had to make someone had to design it someone had to build it someone had to film right. it and well, light this it, was, so if this was hammer this might have been like an oil you know an oil painting or something yes exactly exactly just a, but the craftsmanship that went into these films is that's unmatched. right they're just amazing oh, um no there's a, uh, there was a, we said it again and again and again there's a lot of care and there was a lot of money 
involved in yeah. this movie. And it yeah, shows. Yeah, yeah. It shows. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's care and love that goes in every movie, but they th- these guys had more resources. To, 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 yeah, I think resources is huge. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Parker now, I mean, Parker knows this guy is is not only crazy, but he's really dangerous. He, he, right. he knows it. And he knows he's, again, this, he's so screwed here and he's got to be very, very careful now. Like um, the, 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 he, he sees the actual danger. Like the, if, 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 um, if Moreau hadn't showed up, he and Loda, he, at least he probably would have been killed easily. Oh, put yourself in Parker's shoes is the fact that Moreau is giving you this gun. Doesn't that make you even more nervous? Oh yeah. Cause, cause, cause not like, cause Moreau doesn't trust Parker not to shoot him. Moreau just understands the situation well enough to know that Parker knows that he has no power. This is this is right. This is him giving the gun is him showing Parker that he has all the power. That's right. And Moreau is again, he's that great villain. He's like Valen in 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 uh Lugosi's character in in Raven. Like I said, like he's gained this out. He's six steps ahead of everyone. He's he's you know, he's running this this show. Um and and everyone else is just trying to adjust to to what his changing plans and his and 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 Moreau's plans are changing minute to minute too as as he constantly reevaluates the risk Parker presents. Um, I think this is the point where he realizes that that Parker he can't trust Parker to once he's off the island not to talk. And this is the moment where where he decides to sabotage his own boat to to keep him on the island. Yeah, I mean the minute like park if I'm Parker, the minute I get this gun, I'm probably saying to myself, there's no way I'm I'm getting off this island. Like if this guy has this much, you know, I don't yeah. say confidence, but if you know if he's willing to give me this gun and you know kind of quote unquote give me this control. Yeah. You know, w- what else does he have planned? Like Right, right, right. Parker's got one ace up his sleeve that that we find out later that the Moreau isn't aware of. Montgomery hasn't mentioned to Moreau that that Parker sent the wireless message to Appia. It's only it's only when Ruth and the the other captain guy show up, and Montgomery's like, "We sent a wireless." Like it's like Montgomery forgot or got drunk or something. Yeah, <laughs> he maybe. neglected to mention it. So so the and one Mar- thing, the one ace up his sleeve that, that that I don't know if he knows that Moreau doesn't know it or whatever. Like it, it it's open to a lot of interpretation. Is that is that possibly someone is coming for him? Yeah, we hope so. Moreau's not counting on that. We're almost at we're almost at that scene right now. So yeah. It's basically, yeah. So when, um, you know, uh, Moreau hands Parker the gun and says, you know, I mean, you know, harm, et cetera, et cetera. So in Parker's mind, he's leaving that island tomorrow or the following morning. Yeah. So. Yeah. He still is kind of thinking that. Yeah. Yeah. So this <laughs> and Moreau kind of, you know, Moreau and, and Montgomery have a little sidebar and basically, and basically says to our Moreau says to Montgomery, you know, wouldn't it be a shame for science if Parker were to leave? And again, oh, right. Yeah. Back, no, that's a great line. Like, well, he'll right. be gone tomorrow. And he's like, wouldn't it be a shame for science if he was gone tomorrow? Right. Like, because he's still playing this long game with Loda of getting them romantically involved and basically, you know, having Loda, you know, quote unquote, you know, become this, uh, you know, hundred percent a human woman. Yeah, this is still his plan. He can't have Parker leave. It's not even. It's not even. I don't think yeah. he's fearful that Parker's going to say anything. It's all about this experiment. It's all about making Loda whole human, and so he can bring Loda back to yeah. the world again, and he can reclaim his, you know. Yeah. His so his society. his altruistic scientific experiments have, have a very self gratifying kind of you know you know right. purposes as well. Right. Um, yeah, so we we do we we go back to uh, to Appia and there's I this is I love this scene for some reason I love the scene where the skipper's in trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, yeah, the Corvina comes into port and Ruth is there to meet her, expecting Parker. You know, according to the you know the wireless you know, cable that she received, Parker would be on board. And of course, the drunken Captain Davies comes down, and um, you know they have a just 
full arrogant, full asshole basically says, you know, I don't know where he is, you know, go hey, away. Sweetie. Like first thing he thinks she's like there for him, obviously. Cause, yeah, cause yeah, yeah. look at the guy. He's such a hunk, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like, you know, it's like, if, it's like if oil and dandruff formed itself into a human being or something, he's just, he's just a, he's kind of repulsive. I mean, the actor, I, the actor did a lot of Westerns and stuff. He, he, I, you see him in a lot of stuff and stuff, but they really do a good job of greasing him up and making him pretty oh, yeah. repulsive here. He's gross. Yeah, yeah. He's a perfect, like drunk, drunk, salty ship captain. He's, he's yeah. Yeah. And you just know he stinks and oh, <laughs> just totally. hasn't bathed in months. And yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So he meets her and, and he's like, well, no, I let him off. And she's like, you're all to do that. Da, 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 da. And she's like, well, let's, we'll see what the, what the, yeah, the American consul, the U S con yeah. The American consul has to say about that. Um, and he's like, go ahead. And then the next thing is literally they're in the council's office and he's having to, he's got his hat in his hand and the consul's like just dressing him down. Mm-hmm. And he's I mean- like, he's like, you know, you could lose your ship license for this, couldn't you? And he's like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's like, you wouldn't like that. Would you like, no, sir. (laughs) He won't let him out. He keeps, he keeps badgering him as he goes out, which I I love the U S council, by the way, has the British accent, which I always find really funny. Yeah. Right. You got to figure this probably, this probably isn't Davy's first time in front of the the consulate, right? He's probably, I'm I'm assuming he's been in hot water before. So this guy's like, Jesus Christ, like three strikes and you're out, you know? Right. Yeah. No, he thinks it's, it's a bad thing. So, um, so uh, uh, he brings in, um, Captain Donahue, who's played by Paul Hurst, to uh, he, you know the, the the Captain Davies does tell him like, well, I dropped it off this you know, longitude, blah blah blah, latitude, da da da, da. and um, there, there's like, there's no island there. He's like, no, it's a little island. It's there. It's like, okay. Um, so uh, uh, the the U.S. consul hires or Shanghai's or something this this Donahue guy uh to get you know take a boat, take his boat. Ruth is going to go with him, and they're going to go find uh Parker. So you kind of wonder. I mean, the, the concept seems very very proactive and willing to help ruth which is fantastic i love that in a movie yeah. you know, does ruth have any you know political sway power like they just seem like they're willing to like just drop down and you yeah. know do whatever they can to help ruth and no, this, i think this is just white people helping out white people you know <laughs> i don't know maybe <laughs> in the day as, as it goes you know no no I, I i i'd be willing to bet even in this era uh things did not function quite that well or and, yeah. and expediently yeah. um but for the purposes of the film it she does seem to have like some kind of uh uh, uh power to 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 make this happen it, it, you're right about that well it just makes me think davies this is probably, i'm sure davies has been in you know plenty hot water and this this counts as is just you know, he's had enough of him and uh, it counts as, oh shit this guy again right <laughs> exactly you know, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> um i uh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, let's talk about the fact that so so the next day they uh you know, Parker's like, Oh, I'm gonna get on the boat, I'm gonna go home, I'm gonna go see Ruth, I'm gonna do you know. um and then uh they go out and then uh it turned this might this scene might actually happen before the, the council's scene. So if we're out of order, sorry. Um they go out and and Moreau's boat has has been sunk. It's sitting, you know, half submerged in the harbor, and and uh Lon does this thing like, oh I can't I can't imagine how this could have happened. Like he's he's not even um he's not even trying to sell it no. to, to Parker. No. Like Parker, like like Montgomery obviously knows, but Parker's like, dude, you sunk your own boat. And oh and let's God. talk about how dedicated Moreau is to, to his ends that he's willing to do this. He's willing to sink his own boat. And the whole um, time and, and Parker's like, ah oh, crap, what's good? And Mo- I love um Moreau. Like you, you see him kind of glancing over at Montgomery. Oh yeah. Shit eating grin on his face. Again, it's that it's that mischievous smirk. Oh, like, my he, God. He, 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 he. I'm so I'm so funny. And Moreau finds such humor in being diabolical. Yep. It's really 
it is fantastic. It's, it's it is it's fun to watch. He's and, he's a fun villain, man. And, and 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 this just helps you anticipate what's eventually you know the the the, the moral tale of this thing. Like I said, like what's eventually going to happen to him. You know, it's in part it's, it's so fitting. If Pocket doesn't seem that shocked, like when he, they finally go out there and he sees the ship sunk, he's like, you know, in his, in his own mind, he's probably like, of course it is. I should, I should have seen that coming. Yeah, yeah. he does. He's yeah. like, yeah. He's like, yeah, of course. Uh, I got a gun in my pocket, but yeah, I'm still stuck in yeah. this freaking island. Parker, it, 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 he in in the Jonathan Harker mold, uh, uh, Parker is you know, a few steps behind. Like I said, the whole time, like he's you know he's uh, he's he's just trying. He's adapting his plans as a way to to uh, compensate for what Moreau's doing. Moreau keeps, it's a chess game, you know, he keeps like checkmating him kind of. And he's playing against a master, so he's obviously out, you know, outgunned. Yeah, and just trying to survive, you know, that's, yeah. I think that's the bottom line. He just wants yeah. to survive, get home to Ruth, and is just willing to do anything. But yeah, so at the same time, we see Ruth and uh, Donahue, and Donahue's little dinghy, approaching the island and we have a kind of a cool scene of one of the the natives i don't know if it's i don't know if he's a, a named native or whatever one of the natives sees it's the little bald guy yeah 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 whatever his, name his is. voice is great and i don't know who he is I, I he's not credited i'm sure there's folks who who know who he is that that, that will help us out uh, uh so anyone when we post this thing and and you're commenting on the page if, if you know anything about this actor because i'm fascinated by the actors who played these these uh the beast men they're really great um yeah just a great look i i think the film could have the filmmakers could have could have uh gone away that would be very inappropriate now and they could have cast uh more actors of color and and more uh you know uh, non non-white actors <clears throat> as a as a way of saying like in 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 that outmoded idea like oh well you know we'll cast these guys they look more bestial they'll you know um, and the film doesn't do that. Um, the or- Oran is actually played by a German wrestler named Hans Steinke. Stank, stank, stink, stank. I'm I'm probably destroying that. Um, uh, there's but Lagosi obviously. Uh, who who's more erudite than Lagosi playing a beastman and stuff like that? So I think they did right. a great job. The casting is amazing, and this little bald guy is a great example. Who's like not he's not little in the way that that Marlon Brando's little buddy in in the the 90s version of this movie is yeah, little, the, exactly. that guy they had that was like two and a half feet tall yep. um who's playing piano with them but um uh but but they do cast this little guy who's got a great voice and like you feel like i think he's supposed to be kind of like a rap guy i think he doesn't have a tail but he's got this he's got kind of like bucky teeth, teeth and, and yeah. ears and stuff and i, I yeah. think he's supposed to be kind of a bald yeah. rat kind of character so as i'm looking through my, my notes here really quick i actually jumped over a really important scene actually so yeah. before ruth gets to the island before ruth and donahue loda and parker get you know some time together and this is where actually parker you know there's a little bit of uh romance going on here more with, yeah. with loda um you know she wants she's starting to feel feelings for him and you know she doesn't know what love is of course and you know kind of feeling these things and you know he ends up he basically says in the same breath well i have a fiance you know this, this somebody in the world that you know i love and then kisses her which is fantastic yeah i mean I, there's this weird thing where he's stroking her hair almost like she is a cat yes, you know? yes, yes yeah I, I think he's charmed by her i think he sees her as kind of a child which that makes him kissing her kind of gross I guess. Um, uh, she's almost she's like trying pur- to get she's almost purring way. too. Like, he's, he's oh yeah, no, she, and and, and <laughs> no, no, and that's great for this. I mean, obviously, she she is part panther, so there's right. this idea that he's stroking her hair. Um, so there's this, you know, he shows her this book and he's like, you know, the books, you know, about science or something like that. And and, he, and she's like, he's like, this is how I'm going to get off this Island. And she's like, the book's going to take you away. And he's like, yeah, the book's going to take me away. And she takes the book and dumps it in the, in the thing because she's like, she doesn't want him to go away. She, right. she is, she, I mean, 
uh, Moreau, the first part of Moreau's plan is working because she she has fallen for Parker because you know they're both young and 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 I love um, uh, uh, Moreau's one thing is like you know time time and boredom will take care of this you know he's he knows inevitably these two are just gonna you know finally succumb to their carnal impulses let's say sure um, and uh, and 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 try and make little panther babies and, and that's that's how uh, that's how uh, Moreau will know so. Um, yeah, Kathleen Burke is just so good in this. She's so she could have played this like she just could have played this bad. She could have played this like like natives in in the Tarzan movies and stuff. She could have you know you know, pigeon English kind of thing. And she finds this great way of like being someone who is struggling to act like a human. You know, um, she's just this is wonderful, and she and she looks damn good doing it. She does. No, she's got the sex appeal. She's got that naivete. Yeah, yeah. she's really she's playing this so, so well. You can see and, why most of the advertising in this movie like had her on the cover and not Charles Lawton. Like, <laughs> it, was, it was definitely a decision made. Like, oh, yeah. I think this is what's going to sell this movie. It's, you get a sexy woman in a loincloth or you get Charles Lawton. In, <laughs> we got, we got pudgy man in, 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 a, in a waistcoat. Yeah. Um, we yeah. want to make money, uh, so we're going to put the uh, we're gonna put the loincloth girl in the and, cover. And, and to his credit, you know, uh, she sort of throws herself at Parker and Parker has a moment of weakness and he kisses yep. her. Yep. And then very quickly, he's like, whoa, whoa, wait, hang on. I, you know, he's like, look, we got to talk. I've got a, I've got a fiance here and, you know, I'm trying to get back to her and stuff. And, right. and um, you have this, you know, it's just him trying, trying, trying to maintain his, his civility in the face of this of barbarism, you know, well, up until now, I think he's just been willing to do anything to survive. Right. And maybe this, you know, he kind of fell under, you know, her spell a little bit, like he is yeah, just going to yeah. go with the flow until he can be on a ship off this Island. And, you know, he kind of, yeah, yeah. you know, succumbs to her advances. Just, I'm not, I'm not trying to give him any kind of an excuse, but so I mean, one thing about the scene too, we hear for the first time is the word or the term beast flesh, yes. right? So we, you know, she kind of gives him, uh, Loda gives um, Parker a hug. And as she does, you can see like these claws, right? These furry, and you can get into this yes. probably better than I could, Jim, these furry, nasty fingers, right? So this beast flesh now, as we, as we learned, as it's called later on, is starting to reform on, on love. Yeah, the, yeah. It's, it, it is like... Um, and you know we 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 there's this equation done quite a bit in in other uh, films just like like of the era like like um, uh, Cat People uh, you know the the Val Lune, uh, Jacques Tournier film um, uh, where uh, somehow some somehow sexual excitement uh, uh, brings out this much more feral vibe or, or chemicals or something in a, in a person especially women it's 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 applied a lot to women at this era which I'm sure I'm sure it would be it would happen to men just as easily uh the the hormones are similar um and and but what was happening here is that loda as as she is getting aroused by parker um whatever chemical thing that's happening you know in in her body is starting to to make her revert back to the animal state so yeah suddenly you know she's hugging him and he's like ow what's that and he pulls her aside and she's got these she's instantly got these like dagger like claws at the end of her fingernails and i guess they're just sort of like press-on type you know appliances um but they're pretty hideous. They're they're darker black and stuff like like a, a cat's claws can be black. Yeah, um, it's almost like she's growing like a paw. Like she's got like the yeah, furry knuckles. Yeah, no, they're really good. I think they might. I paused on it right now. They might actually be extensions they stuck on the tips of her whole fingers. So the whole thing might be like the whole tip of her finger might be might be a, a fake thing, which you know kind of uh, more like what they did with uh, uh, Max Shrek and and um, Nosferatu. You know, yeah. yeah, yeah, where they extended his his fingers into these gigantic 
uh, you know, you know, daggers. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and so, you know, Parker who, who is aware of what, there's a great look of horror on his face where like, you know, he's aware of what's happening with all these other man beasts, whatever he has somehow not made the equation that Loda is one of them as well. And this is the moment he realizes that and he's shocked and stunned and, you know, a little skeeged out, I think, because he just made out with her. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think he kind of, he cares about her, not maybe not in a, you know, a sexual romantic way, but you know, he's, you know, yeah. he, I think he feels he feels for her. I mean, she's the only woman on the island, and yeah. she, you know, they've had you know nice rapport, and yeah, yeah, I think it's all of the above. You know, now that she's he's realizing that she's just an you know right. another experiment. He's and this like is horrified. What sets and, him off. He yeah. he is he is he's after Moreau at this point, and he comes in and and we get this great oh my god, it's this great scene between him and Moreau where he he slugs Moreau, and it's mm-hmm. like you know he's he's had it. He's had it. He's you know pun- yeah, like you said punches Moreau to the ground. And yeah. then basically says, you know, I want you to get me off this island and then walks out. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, no, right. Um, I don't know how much Moreau's going to be helping you now that you uh, just punched him and totally emasculated him. But anyway. Right, right, right. But, but I mean, this is, it's a great scene. There's a, there's a wild bit where they, they start doing it to camera. Like part yes. of the scene, you know, uh, uh, I think I think it's after I'm watching it right now, like after he punches him and then suddenly it's, there's a fourth wall thing where they're both going straight down the barrel into the lens talking. I was hoping um, you would, I would hoping you would bring this up, Jim. I was really curious, you know, why they chose this or if they really they had done this before. This was really interesting. You know, you know, it, I think inevitably when you do it in a film, there, there's there's just this idea of of the eye contact with with the lens, where like you feel like they are looking right into your your uh, your um your soul, you know, through 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 the the TV or the screen or whatever you're watching it on, and and it's just natively unnerving to us. And so I think when it's used to this effect, it's great because it shocks you out of this this idea like you're watching a play, and now suddenly suddenly snap you feel like you're actually involved in this thing yeah and you can feel your heart goes up and your your adrenaline starts wanting to pump and stuff um, yeah it's like you're invested um, i mean they do a yeah. great like dracula 31 like that scene with lugosi in the crypt you know he's staring yeah. at the camera and even the frankenstein right. monster walking in backwards and turns around yeah yeah that, that son of franken that son of dracula scene the introductory one we just talked about yes. with Livio, you know yeah yeah. Um, yeah great i just the the great the what what's great about the punch in the scene is that you know Parker starts to walk away and whatever, and and Murrow's like, "Are you going somewhere?" And it's just like, "Oh, it's just like he just digs him in." He's like, "Oh, what a jerk he is and stuff." Yeah, no, he you know he talks right to right to camera. Um, and I got also like we're talking about Lon's physicality. Um, uh, you know, uh, when Parker hits Moreau, like Lon goes down. It's not a stunt guy. You can tell. Like he goes down, he knocks over some stuff. He goes down pretty hard. It's not a and it's not sped up like the the fight scene with the uh, the the Davies on the on the ship. That little that little exchange they have with the fisticuffs is, is you can see they they start cranking it up a little bit. And they speed it up so it seems a little more dramatic. Um, uh, Lon goes down, and um, and you know, so he again is that he brings the physical thing too. So so there's you know that that factor. Well, they did a nice thing too, where it's, I'm I'm not on the scene now, but I can remember it back. They have like two tables around him. The tables are just full of like these tin cups. So oh, yeah. Lon goes down. He of course hits, you know, swings, hits the table. So yeah. all you can hear is the thud of Lawton's body hitting the ground, and then just oh yeah, yeah, this clatter of everything. Also, stuff. he's like drinking up all this china and stuff, which is yeah. probably pretty hard to get on an island. So like all that stuff's kind of like, you know, um, yeah. he's like, you're gonna get me off this island, Morel. No, 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 no. Um, uh, and and this is like so so what's what's fun about this is um, you know Moreau is always so in charge and and part of the chilling thing about him is that he's so like you know uh, in this previous scene Parker's raging at him and, and Moreau's just sitting there drinking tea and looking at him and he's just like yeah because you're like I've got he's like I've got this under control and stuff and then then when he does lose it so after this he goes to um, 
he goes to load his room and he grabs her by the hair and he looks at her claws and like this is the moment where he realizes like what what he thought he has accomplished uh it isn't true she's she is reverting it's all it's all for like in in his mind it's like it's all for nothing like i failed he says like montgomery i might as well yeah. quit i failed you know yeah he has a bad moment so when he really gets frantic that's scary too because you're like holy shit this guy's desperate now like like this is you know like you said, this is not good for anybody well he's yeah right he's always so in control and he does he, I mean, he'll lose he'll lose his shit for maybe 30 you know 20 seconds but then he he bring he calms himself down and brings yeah, it right yeah. back and 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 a new plan forms exactly right i mean he can form plan b plan c super super quick and he does yeah. with this with the, the, the agility of this this man's mind and stuff and that's why like i always just think like villains are i mean really interesting when they are this diabolically clever i mean this is you know, this is the challenge is how are our heroes going to outwit someone who's this smart and this this uh, ruthless? You know, um, that's the it's the you know, it's the Cobra Commander thing or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, because what what saves Moreau's mood in the scene is that he realized Lotus crying. She's actually crying tears of, of sadness and grief and that's and right. Exactly. Horror and, and fear. And he's like, OK, well, you know, maybe she's reverting a bit. But look, she's crying tears. So this is the thing. And he has this great but he's like you know, get the house of pain ready. He's like, I'm going to burn every bit of humanity out of her this time. Right. Like he's so, he's so happy and enthusiastic about, it. and Loda is terrified crawling up the wall. She's so, Kathleen Burke is so, you know, these two men are standing over her and she's wearing not much and stuff. She's so vulnerable. And so it's really hard to watch. It's really, and yeah. you know, um, and this it's is what just amazing. And this is now what turns Montgomery, right? So she, you know, understanding. I, this, yeah. And this is the point. Like, I, I'm not sure how, when, how long this pivot point's been going on with Montgomery. I think he's been questioning, you know, Monroe maybe since day one, but he's had to do what he's had to do. But this is kind yeah. of, this is the last straw that he does not, you know, and he tells, you know, well, Lona, sure well I think we're getting up to, to it. I, I think the Ruth thing is, is a big part of that too. Okay. Let's um, go there. And, and, yeah. And here we are finally. Okay. Now we're here to the scene where, where, the little guy sees uh, 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 Donahue and Ruth show up at the island. He's like, you know, men come from ship, you know, men like women like Loda. Um, mm-hmm. So this is a new, so we're in like kind of the third act of the film now. And here's, here's the new wrinkle that's happened is that, you know, there's, I think Moreau has started to realize that the the whole Parker Loda thing maybe isn't going to happen. Uh, Parker actually might be able to resist the urge to, you know, to breed with her. But now we have the introduction of a female onto the island, and and this is all going to change again. Moreau's agile mind—he's going to—he's going to change his plan in a heartbeat, and everything's everything's new. Right. So now we have now we, in his mind, he's thinking, you know, Ruth and I mean Hulk, Hulk zombie or Hulk. <laughs> oh, oh, uh, Oren. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, so so yeah, he's going to start some new matchmaking uh, thing. So um, I like this. Uh, I like the Donahue character. Uh, He's played by yeah Paul Hurst, who who did a lot of westerns and stuff, and you know he comes off as this kind of no nonsense guy. It's like oh you know here we go. Um, he you know there's natives, there's there's really creepy stuff happening. He's trying you know Donnie trying to talk to Ruth to be like oh no that's a that's a weird bird they they have about you know, around here and stuff. Um, and he's another drinker. Before, and he's another yeah, drinker. Yeah. So I'm saying like yeah, they're really- yeah I was gonna say even before the 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 dinner scene where where Moreau gets him wasted, we have with this kind of. Uh, vibe that that he probably you know always has a flask on him he's that guy yeah oh no they're definitely stereotyped or typecasting uh captains in these movies that they're all just but he's been through some stuff like you know when when he goes in action he's like i got this i'll I'll take care of this even though i'm freaking plastered (laughs) yeah uh uh, so he's he's a good character and it's obviously someone's got to sort of pay you know pay with their life in in some of this so 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 he's going to be part of that um 
Uh, and he's uh, working directly for the consulate. I mean, he's it's probably a lot of responsibility oh, yeah. on his lap to you know make sure this thing goes. He, to he's someone they trust. You know, he's That's like, right. okay, we'll we'll do this, and we'll you know, you know. So Ruth is pretty intrepid. I mean, Ruth, Ruth's you know, they could have just sent someone. You know, they kind of know where Parker is. They could have just sent someone to go get him. And Ruth's like, no, 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 I'm going too. Like I'm, you know. And and every time like something sketchy happens, she's like, no, 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 we have to keep going. We have to, you know, go forward. I, she's she's so dedicated to to Parker. And she's willing to to brave all sorts of you know really intimidating, scary stuff to in order to you know get her goal. Again, all, here she is. She's all in white. Donnie Hughes all in white. Uh, Moreau, Parker, Montgomery, everyone, everyone all in white. It's just such an interesting uh, like stylistically, you know, from from a from a from a film standpoint. You're like maybe we should have all the characters wear the same color, but they do it, and it it creates this interesting kind of thing. Um, yeah, but. There's a there's a decided moment here where Moreau lets Oran into inside the gate where, you know, that, that he normally keeps all locked and stuff. And you can see from the instant he sees Ruth, he's like, oh, I've got a new plan. And, and it's a much more insidious, very scary uh, uh, plan he's got. Right. So, again, going back to his romantic and for whatever reason, these, you know, uh, the natives and a human being, once they breed in, in Moreau's mind anyways, that's like the climax of his experiments. Mm. So it's very, you know, just awful to think about what his plan is but yeah he wants well, you know hulk <laughs> the hulk yeah 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 ruth to basically be you know rape you know get, to get them right. together no physically. exactly yeah i mean for 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 his plan to work with with uh parker and loda parker had to be a willing participant for his plan for oran and ruth ruth does not have to be a willing participant that's just the the physics of how this is you know the the, the thing um and so so this is the diabolical side of him it's like he doesn't care he doesn't care what he's going to do the damage he's going to cause to this woman and stuff like that i mean it's gonna it's all in the interest of of not really just science again it's like like restoring his status that's all he cares about it and, seems to be the end know. goal yeah exactly yeah. it's not science it's it's, re- it's reclaiming his his status in society mm-hmm. right exactly yeah 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 through science um so you know so they're all he leads them into his thing and and the captain says like oh what kind of place is this did you say and he's like i didn't say but then he says um it's and he says it's an experimental station for bioanthropological research and i i always think there should be t-shirts you know oh we could do that you know visit the island of dr moreau an experimental station for bioanthropological research we'll get we'll get on the bogo pass uh shopping yeah yeah we should we should we should do like all that um uh you know see see the sites see the see the rat boy see the so much fun um <laughs> listen to the say of the law uh it's like it's like it's like you go and and all the audience sits there and and they they do the say of the law state show with all the guys and stuff it's like <laughs> then you go to universal studios i love it um oh man it'd be great uh anyway so yeah um yeah or again we we have a lot more oran now and, and he's played by this this giant german wrestler who's super muscular and very acrobatic and can climb up trees and and jump from stuff and really plays him amazingly well. Oran Oran has some speech too. He's not a super primitive, um, uh, but he's definitely this hulking AP like like kind of guy. Um, so you do have this again, the bestiality kind of thing happening here. Yeah. Oh, um, and, and I think Oran was one of the first ones to you know notice Ruth and become yeah. very aroused by her because throughout her journey from the from the dock to the house, yeah. he's constantly you know in in the background. Right. And, and some times. other some other beast guy is looking at her, and he and he 
kills him or he beats him up or something. Yeah. Like um, he's already trying to, trying to establish his, his dominance, you know, in, in right. this kind of thing, you have this kind of like ape behavior thing happening here. Yeah, totally. Um, very voyeuristic beast men in this movie. <laughs> they, yes. they like they're peeping, peeping uh, Tom's. Um, so I'm, actually, um, I'm sorry, Jim, I'm actually watching that. I just got to the scene now at the first time that Oran's peeking through the bush and scares the hell out of Ruth. Yeah. So she, you know, screams and grabs Donahue. And as Moreau's watching this whole thing, he again has that smirk. Oh yeah. And again, it's probably now, you know, in his mind, this is going to, this is what I'm going to have to do here is get the, yeah. you know, get these two together. So you yeah. Can, yeah. Uh, yeah. just has that awful smirk oh. in his face, seeing her yeah. being, you know, frightened yeah. by, uh, by the uh, Hulk, Hulk, uh, <laughs> the Hulk logo. Right. Um, so there's a great bit where, you know what they're here. Loda is here and sort of uh, sort of to the side and she's watching whatever and she sees Ruth show up and she obviously obviously Parker's talked about Ruth and she sees Ruth and she's like oh geez okay well this ain't happening obviously because you know look at look at her and she's more his type and everything um, and you have a great you have a great moment where Montgomery walks up to her and I think this is the beginning of Montgomery's redemption you know story um, and and he's he's like you know Loda come come away. And she's like to the house of pain, and he's like, no, not to the house of pain. You know? Right. Um, uh, we see this sympath- sympathetic guy. He puts his arm around her. He's like, no, it's okay. Like it'll, it'll be fine. Um, and and it's here at this point. I I do think he's he's figured out what Mar- what Moreau's new plan is, and he's like, okay, I'm not. This is the thing. One thing too far that I'm not going to do. I'll 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 allow these animals to be tortured. Uh, even in their human shape, they're still sort of animals. And I think he can somehow in his own mind rationalize that. But, but here he's like, yeah, I'm not going to do it. So um, Moreau, meanwhile, is instantly his new plan. I'm going to get, he can just, it's like he can smell it on Donahue or something. Right. <laughs> so he's like, my plan is like, I'm going to get this guy wasted, um, you know, uh, and I'm going to bide for time. And he thinks like, if he can keep them there that night, you know, if, if he can get Donahue wasted uh, until it's nightfall for them to, to for, so it's too dangerous for them to go back to the, to the boat, then he can keep them overnight and Oran will have time to do his business. And then here we go. Yeah, I mean, we're at we're at the dinner scene now. Basically, everyone who's left on the island, and you know, we mentioned it earlier on here. So Montgomery, who was never one to turn down a drink, is staying sober again. Yes. He's knowing, right? Is <laughs> knowing. And, and Moreau's like, interesting. Yeah, like Moreau enjoys the the chess game. You know, he's like, okay, okay. Here, yeah. Here's a new factor. He's he he enjoys calculating. He enjoys like trying to block people's moves and counter them and stuff. And again, he 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 says he says it, the same thing to Montgomery in some ways. Like, are you are you are you leaving now? Like right, just toying with him. How? Yeah, you think Montgomery might might have been able to play that a little better. I mean, he doesn't seem like a he seems like a relatively intelligent man too. Being you know Dr. Montgomery, that yeah, uh, he just kind of like whip the whip the gin over his shoulder, you know, put it under the table. At least at least make it appear that you know he wasn't changing his yeah you know his nightly routine. Which I'm assuming you know if he and he and Monroe has been on the island for years and years, he's right? Monroe knows this guy. They take a drink together every night, so you think he would do you know the best that he could to you know keep at least keep up appearances Mm -hmm. but yeah 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 i I don't maybe montgomery's one of his talents is not subterfuge i guess you know um yeah so so you have this crazy dinner scene where they're all sitting here and and there's there's some noise in the in the in the background um and uh moreau has this line where he says they are restless tonight um and this gives rise to for some reason there's this there's this phrase that people use that says the natives are restless Mm -hmm. and we use it 
I guess for, um, you know, I don't know. I don't even know why we, I, I'm not, not too many people use it anymore, but it was a common phrase for a while, but it's a misquote of the, of the line where he does say, oh, they are restless tonight. Um, uh, uh, trying to imply, you know, you know, Ruth is, Ruth is kind of catching up here. Uh, Parker hasn't had a chance to really tell her what's going on. And I think he doesn't want to uh, alarm her. And I think he's, he's hoping that maybe they can get off the island and she won't have to be subjected to all the horror that he's seen and, and knows now and stuff. So, you know, that's right. I just think again, he is just so he, all he wants to do is get off this Island and he's going to ignore as much as he can. He's not going to say anything, a thing. So yeah, I mean, he knows like he's just going to grab Ruth and he basically says uh, the minute Ruth is in his arms, let's get off this Island. Like he looks at Donahue. He's like, let's get to the boat. Yeah. And then, you know, Monroe immediately says, well, it's going to be, he makes a mention of like, there's no, there's no dusk in the tropics, right? It's either oh, nighttime yeah, yeah, yeah. or it's either light or it's dark. And now it's, it's pitch black. So yeah. you'd be safer just to stay, stay the night, leave first thing in the morning. And of course, Ruth, not knowing what's, what's going on, on the Island, not knowing what Parker has had to go through. Yeah. And convinces Parker to say, you know, we'll, we'll stay the night. And but he says like, leave. Mr. Parker has experienced this, uh, this Island at night. Maybe he can tell you why it's not a good idea. You right. Know? Right, right. Yeah. And then again, it kind of leads up to uh, going to fast forward a little bit more, but, you know, it's kind of the bedroom scene with Ruth. So once everyone goes to bed and, and everything, we've got the, um, God, the, the Hulk native again. Breaking, Oran, yeah. Yeah. Oran breaking into Ruth's room. Right, right. God knows he, what he, to her. Literally like pulling the bars out of the pulling stone the bars, and stuff. Right. I mean, this is how bad he's, he's after her and stuff. And it's, it's, um, it's, it's this latent threat that, that I think, you know, once Parker realizes, you know, you know, so, so, so Oran tries to come in, she screams, uh, Parker and Donahue are, are in the next room together. Because uh, Parker, even though they're engaged, Parker can't stay in the same room with him, with her, because it's the 1930s, right? Uh, it reminds me of like Murder in the Rue Morgue, where you know, they yeah. have that scene with, with Bella saying, you know, Eddie's, you know, Eddie's lonely. He's at the prime of his strength. Oh, yeah. You know, like his sexual strength, his sexual energy. And then we yeah. got a man, you know, pulling these bars down, you know, to get to his conquest. You know, it didn't yeah, really yeah. there's be- always there's always this this weird thread of the savage ravaging the 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 pure woman and it's um because yeah. there's no you know really there's no reason why Parker and and Ruth can't be married in this you know she can't there's no reason she can't be his wife except I think the implication is that maybe she's virginal I think that's the yeah, and that, they couldn't be in the, the purpose of that 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 conceit. So, they couldn't okay. be in. The, I mean, they couldn't be in the same. I mean, you know, they maybe they'd be in the same room together, or they couldn't have that. Maybe that flirtation. Not that they couldn't, but maybe that flirtation between him and Loda. Um, right, I think it right. Makes, that I think would actually be him being in, in, infidelist to, exactly. with his yeah, wife. Yeah. yeah, so that makes sense. I that guess that's a good call. I think. But it does set up the fact that she's alone in the room, obviously, and Oran, you know, sneaks up this great looking, you know, uh, uh, branch and 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 climbs through the window and stuff. So 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 after this, you know, uh, you know, she the guy comes in and and Parker, you know, managed that they they managed to chase him off. Um, Parker now knows the the actual danger that Ruth is in here, and he's like, we've yeah, we have to GTFO here, <laughs> no yeah. matter what. And again, so I'm watching this scene now, and again, pre code, he's watching her. I mean, very voyeuristically, she's oh, yeah. literally taking off her dress, yeah, in this little negligee, and this and and he's watching her from the ground level yeah. undressing and she gets, she's getting into bed. Now she's taking off her stockings. I mean, this is really, this is erotic for, you know, 1932. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's, he's not touching himself, but everything, but it's pretty. Yeah. Um, you know, Par- Parker, and, you know, Parker's on the high alert. He's just sitting in a chair with a gun ready. He gets in there, you know, like, Oh, he sees the guy, he tries to shoot him, you know, 
um, and and scares them off, and they they get in there and 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 whatever. Um, th- there's a great line where they're you know he, he gets together with Don Hugh and her, and he's like you know we're no safer here than in the jungle, and and it cuts over and Montgomery's standing there, and he's like I'd advise the jungle, right? Just, oh, which is great. I know. Great, great dialogue, great lines. You know, again, it's that it's this almost pulpy dialogue that that kind of plays in here and stuff. And and this whole nocturnal scene is lit with all these lights shining through the bars and slats of the place. And you know, Montgomery and and Moreau have this talk, and both of their faces are slashed across with these shadows. That, mm-hmm. And you know, that's lit amazingly. It's like you know, I think I talk about this sometimes. Like you know, the tropical stuff isn't exactly very gothic. It's not like Dracula's castle or you know the Frankenstein man- mansion or something like that. Um, so, so creating this air of, um, of, of, of being like, like claustrophobic and imprisoned and stuff like that, it's, it's hard. And, and you get into movies like this and, um, uh, I walked with a zombie does it amazingly well too, uh, with, you know, the light, the, 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 the light coming in through the slats and through the bars and stuff and, and creating these shadows. And that's what, that's what creates this really creepy, uh, uh, uh look that makes it feel like a horror movie. It is such a beautiful set, and again, every every scene is just has, like you said, just the the, the lighting through the bars, lighting oh, yeah. off the trees. Um, I mean, there's a scene now, yeah, with Moreau and and Montgomery, and yeah, they you got that the slats of the bars, like literally covering. I'm looking at yeah. a scene right now with Montgomery, literally covering one of his whole eyes. Oh yeah, like yeah, yeah, an yeah, eye yeah. patch, and and Moreau just lurks in these shadows, and Lon like you know has his you know they they position him so well that it's it's not only. Um, it's not only, uh, you know, are visually interesting, but it also like you have a little trouble completely seeing what Lon's doing and therefore he's a little mysterious and, and he's a little cryptic and you're, it, it leaves just a little bit of the audience to bring their context to like, okay, what's he, you know, whatever. Um, what's he really thinking? What's he really, he just keeps him mysterious. Um, Dare I say, he almost looks like Batman. He's like, he's, yeah, yeah, no, exactly. He's he totally in the document. shadows, right? He looks like he has like this, like like a like an eye, like an eyepiece on where all you can see is like yeah. these little pupils. Yeah, yeah. Like, Wherever he goes, you know, the shadows follow. Right. <laughs> it doesn't matter, right? right? Uh, um, so, uh, you know, Donahue is, is full of Irish courage at this point, obviously. Uh, Am I allowed to say that? Is that appropriate anymore? Of course, anymore? You can. Of course. Okay. as an Irish guy, I'm. I'm you would I'll, know. You would know better than anyone. I'll else. take full responsibility for that one. <laughs> okay, he's full of Irish courage. <laughs> um, uh, so he's going to go for the. He's going to go for the boat, and he's going to go radio. You know, the the coast guard or the navy or who, who I can't remember what he says, but whoever is in charge of this area of the world, right, of bringing order to to chaos. Um, he, he's got a gun already, but takes a flashlight and he goes out in the jungle at night. So it's like, 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 like Donnie's not exactly a hero, but he's got this, this, this no practicality to him. It's like, well, someone's got to go to the boat and I, it's my boat. I'm going to do it. You know, he takes, he's the captain. He's going to take responsibility. Yeah, he's so he's, definitely a, becoming, he's a great character. He is becoming the leader, <laughs> becoming extremely proactive, knowing that there's danger in this jungle. So yeah, yeah. runs out with his gun and he's going to get these folks off of, yeah. off of the Island. And this is when we have, you know, uh, probably one of the most important scenes in the movie is Monroe whispering to one of the natives, basically kill you know, he, you tell, can, he tells her and like, yeah, I want you to go put your hands around that man's throat. Yes. Which is, again, if you think back, guys, against one of basically they're, they're one of their primary laws, the prime directive. That, right. You know, exactly. Right. right. Exactly. So the minute Moreau commands them now, you can you can have blood. You can kill somebody. Mm-hmm. All bets are off. And this is basically the the tune for the rest of this movie. The, this, this is this is his this is his critical mistake. Downfall. Right. right. Maybe everything kind of works out for him better, except for this, because what what happens? is you know he he set himself up as the deity of these people and and he set up these laws and now he's commanded one of his own people to break one of his laws 
So once something's broken, it 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 can't be fixed, and then that's that that where it is. So so Oran chases Don Hugh in, into the jungle, and and he does what Moreau commands him to do. He, he kills him and brings him to the 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 native village. Um, and there's there's a big hubbub, and Bella comes out, and Bella's like, you know, not not too killed, you know, and 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 Oran's like, you know, he points to the points to the the house, and he's like, he told me to kill. Right. Yeah. Bella, again, is the commander, is the priest, as you said. He says, well, what is the law? What is the law? And yeah, yeah points to the house and says, well, you know, the, our, our God, the God of the island told me to kill. Yeah. So at this point, the one thing that was protecting Moreau, which, which was this law, has yeah. now been, you know, thrown to the wayside. So yes. at this point, it's it's a total free for all. Well, well the, and, and in, in, in undoing the not to kill law, that means all the other laws go away. And, and unfortunately for, for Donahue, Donahue's remains or body, that not to eat flesh is another one of those laws that goes away. And I never realized this in the when I was younger and I watched this thing, but but recently when I was still watching, it was like they they take up Donahue's body and they carry it behind a hut. And and they so they eat Donahue. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's yeah. dead, but they eat his body. And so this is like now now chaos is gonna reign. Now everything because first of all, now they you know, there's this whole idea. Now they're man eaters, right? Because they're vegetarian. There's this whole bit where, like, he says, "Oh, well, um, you know, doctor, I, I noticed you're a vegetarian, and and Moreau has helped this vegetarian diet because he doesn't eat meat, so that he can keep the 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 beast people from eating meat. Because there is this idea that some of these beast people are, have been created from carnivorous animals, right? Definitely, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm watching the scene right now. So they eat Donahue, and then they come yeah. running back, and all they have is like a bloody shirt. Yeah, yeah, they bring his shirt back. Right? That's all they have in the showing Bella the priest. And Bella basically says, okay, yeah, there's no more laws left. Let's go after the guy who has been torturing us and let's let's bring uh, Moreau to the House of Pain. And this is getting into the full climactic scene of like they're lighting the torches right out of you know right out of frankenstein you know the natives are lighting right. or the, the village are lighting the torches to storm you know the castle to storm this house um yeah. and you know right to the bitter end monroe is just you know again has its smirk on he's like i'm gonna meet them so it kind of oh, he, he totally thinks he's still he, he thinks he's still got this under control still in control right but um, anyway everyone else montgomery you know montgomery parker ruth they are hitting, you know, they, they're getting out of there. They're going to the hills. Yeah, going they, they, they don't care. He advises them against it and they're, they're going to go do it anyway. The natives set fire to their village too, which is like, that's a critical thing as, as it factors in the end. So like they'll, everything goes crazy. It's like Lollapalooza, right? And it's like when the, <laughs> or it's when the, like when the a football team wins the Super Bowl or something, right? And everyone just like loses their, their yeah, the flipping cars um, and yeah, looting. Yeah. And yeah. Um, uh, so, so, uh, um, uh, Moreau goes off and then, and then uh, Maling goes after him. Maling is still totally loyal to him. You're like, you know, of, of, of all the, 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 the man beasts on the Island who are revolting Maling, you know, he's still a loyal dog. Yeah. So Moreau, you know, goes up to the village and he's, you know, he's going to bang the gong and he's got his whip and he's like, you know, now, now the village is totally burned now and they're all dancing around with torches and stuff. Um, and he's like, what is the law? You know, and Bella just has law no more. Like, right. like again, are we men? Like, are we men? Are we beasts? Like we're things. Yeah, you, know? you made you made us. He has a great bit of like he's like you. You made us these things, like not men, not beasts, right? But just things. things. These things. And this is this is why you hire Bella Lugosi for this role. I mean, this is this is really exactly maybe the most important lines in the movie are right here and and throughout, like the whole law thing. Like you know, you know, the, Moreau sees himself as a, a civilized man. 
surrounded by beasts. But the reality is that the beasts are not, the man beasts are not evil or, or not, or, or bright or dumb or anything. They're just what they are. And he's the one who's, who's, who's the barbarian, right? He's the one who's done these awful things to them. So Moreau's conception of himself by nature is, is, is completely wrong. He, he, he thinks he's civilized. He's actually the barbarian here. Yeah. Oh, there's a great scene of when, you know, finally, I think the natives have, you know, they're full, fully storming after Moreau. And the one thing that always kept the beasts at bay, and besides, the laws was that whip you know that yeah. crack the whip and the yeah. beast would you know would run away in, in fear yeah. and there's a great scene it's like that fourth you know fourth wall shot almost yeah. the yeah. camera looking down so you're in you know you're in the place of moreau and you're seeing his whip literally hitting hitting the yeah. um, the guys in the face Wrap, know, wrapping around them and, and they don't yeah. even and they're they just even, like and they don't even flinch they don't even care anymore. Yeah. I mean, it hurts, but, but what do they care anymore? Right. Right. Um, uh, you know, uh, and, and, you know, Moreau who thinks he, you know, he's maintained control over these, these people through fear and intimidation. Once they're not intimidated or afraid anymore, that all, you know, he's just, he's just a middle-aged chubby dude surrounded by like 80 giant animal creatures. Right. Who, that who want want dead. Right. Yeah. They um, don't feel and, human. They don't feel human anymore. They know they're not human. They're things and they have yeah. nothing to lose. And they want to bring, they want to get him to the house of pain, which yeah. we'll get to, yeah. which is another great pre code scene that would never ever. Uh... Oh, right, 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 right. Maling <laughs> um, comes in and he tries to rescue his, his boss and, and, and master. And, and they, they kind of do away with Maling. Um, the good guys are trying to escape. And then he, uh, 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 Parker goes, he's like, we got to get Loda out of here too. So he's, you know, he's going to grab Loda. Um, and the good guys are going to escape. What I love about the, you know, we're, we're, so we're intercutting back and forth. What I love about this scene is like, it's the, it's the flip side of, of all the, the, the torch bearing mob scenes in Frankenstein, where the, the human is being chased by all these monsters with torches, like a mob of, of, of monsters with torches. It's, it's, that's why I say like, it's so subversive. It's great. But then, yeah, yeah, it, absolutely. But then again, you think on the flip side, who's, you know, who's the monster who is, you know, are they really, right, right. right. You know, yeah, like- <laughs> quote, quote monsters, right. Yeah, no, definitely. We yeah. should, we should specify that because Moreau is obviously the monster right here. We have in, in the scene here where it's a fourth wall with these amazing close-ups. There's like a guy with a hoof for a leg as they, it's, there's always shots as they approach Moreau, right? Yeah. And there's a guy who looks like a kind of a fish face thing. Um, there's definitely, there's a shot I noticed where there's a guy who I think is wearing Bella's original makeup. You know, like we said, like the more human looking makeup. Oh, cool. Um, there's a guy kind of in the background. I think that they just, they're like, well, we'll slap this on, on this guy in the background then. So it doesn't go to waste. Oh, it's nice. Like, I'll try to find oh. that and uh, post it. Yeah. 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 When you're, when you're doing, it's, it's right in the scene where they're all like charging. Oh, it's right here it's it's right after the uh, uh uh you made us not man not beast not whatever you know there's there's a guy running through the jungle um, all right cool i don't have a time code for it uh but yeah so the mob is attacking moreau and and i it's it's after all this time it's fun to see moreau it's the the thought is starting to creep in his head he's like i might have misjudged this entire situation mm-hmm. it takes him a long time to get <laughs> he's there he's not but... willing to completely admit it but it's there's definitely like you see the the glimmer of fear growing in in his eyes. It's like I'm I'm possibly in quite a bit of trouble here. Yeah, I mean I don't. <laughs> it's it, awesome. He seems so defiant, and he's still yeah. with that whip, you know, fighting yeah. to the very end. And it's not until even I mean, where I'm at looking at the scene now, where he just he hits like that wall where literally he must have dropped the whip. There's nowhere for him to go, and he must have twenty natives just grabbing at him. 
Yeah. He's just, he's still like just pissed off and screaming. Oh, at oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so how, how much fun must have that been to play for him too? I mean, that's so cool. I mean, you do, you do some serious films and you do, you know, stage and you do, you know, you're Charles Lawn and you're, you're at, even at this point, a pretty well-respected actor. And then you, you get to you get chased around by a bunch of dudes with, you know, furry masks and stuff like that. How, it's kind of, you're playing, it's fun. I mean, this isn't this very, sort thera- of the, very therapeutic. This isn't yeah, Shakespeare. You can look down at, at, at genre filmmaking, I guess, but, but isn't it in some ways sort of like the thing we all pretend when we're children isn't it like yeah good guys bad guys monsters you know villains this isn't he's not henry the eighth here he is he's, yeah he's yeah. something else but he brings but he <laughs> you know i will say he 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 takes it seriously like it is i mean lon is not um acting beneath his levels just because of the the genre nature of this this and it is it's based on a very celebrated book so there's that but um he's committing to this i mean he's bringing he's like it's like orson wells is doing this thing which i feel like the only thing better would have been if orson wells had done a horror movie How, in the 30s that would have been amazing but that's one just yeah he's got respect for this this project absolutely it's a super yeah. point and you know one thing that always kind of pissed me off of like say basil rathbone is i always felt like he kind of thought he was a little bit maybe a little bit too good for like that son of frankenstein role i don't i don't know much exactly it's, I mean, it's, and no, i love it's, son it's, of frankenstein it's possible um, yeah. uh, and some of that's maybe the direction, which we'll talk about when we get into Senator Frank's thing, which is the whole thing about that. But yeah, no, um, it's not like Rathbone's ever phoning it in, but but he, um, he he's, you don't feel like he's ever completely committed to the character. He's he's Basil Rathbone doing the character, kind of, I guess. Is, that's is what it the, feels like a little bit. Tower yeah. of London might be my one thing where I actually, I can't wait to talk about that because I feel like that's the one that that actually uh, uh, he really shines in because he's not he's really great. playing a monster movie. But that's right. Um, but but Lon is committed to this character. Lon is really like he he as as Moreau. Lon thinks that he's he's right in everything he's done. Like mm-hmm. He's 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 inside the the mentality, and even up to the end where he's just you know. Um, I wonder if they they must have been able to replace his whip with something else that wasn't leather because he's full on slashing the the guys coming at. Oh, one hundred percent. Um, I wonder if they made something out of nylon or, or whatever the, the current, you know, material would have been a lightweight version. Cause he's, he's really going at it and you don't feel like, you don't feel like they, they, they probably walked it through, but they, it's not like super choreographed he's just going for it. And that's fourth wall stuff that, I mean, who knows who's, who's thrown that. I mean, it might've been a stunt man, but yeah, I mean, oh, I'm yeah. sure it's obviously, it's not a, a, a real level with, but like but, right at the end where they're chasing him through the pool, he's just going for it. Oh my God. Really yeah. Like, yeah, 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 again, that physicality, yeah. and it looks like he's definitely had some kind of training where yeah, yeah. You know, he's not being hit with, you know, even if it's oh Christ, whatever, whatever it is, yeah, you know, yeah. he's he's in control of that that piece. Oh, yeah. yeah, and then he he makes this critical thing. They're chasing him through the pond, right? He's having to walk through his own pond and get wet and climb up a tree, and he's like, "Don't you know who I am? Don't you know about the House of Pain?" And there's a pause. like, and all the natives are like, "Oh yeah, the House of Pain." Right. You feel like Moreau was like, "I shouldn't have said that." <laughs> that was. That was a mistake. It just gave them a, a great idea. So let's bring <laughs> let's bring Moreau to the House of Pain. And because uh, uh-huh. oh he's still right until the end, Moreau is still convinced that he's the master. Totally, there. he's still oh, yeah. convinced that he is the god. He he's come to believe that he actually you know he he sells this idea that he's their god, but he's come to believe it too. I mean, Absolutely, does, there's no doubt. Talk about talk about a god complex. Um, so many commonalities between this guy and and Valen in uh, in Black in in Raven, right? Oh, definitely, yeah, Valen and you know Black Cat, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we can't um, forget too. So, and meanwhile, while all this is going on, um, I was one called Lolita, Loda, <laughs> right? <laughs> Lolita Loda, yeah, jumps from. So it's a scene where he jumps. She jumps out of the, the tree branch, yeah, 
and fights on. Oran, who's 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 coming after them. Right. So I don't know if she's trying to buy them time. I mean, it's but she ends up killing him. I mean, they find they find him dead. You know, his, his throat is slashed. Yeah. You know, she's she not. Um, she's not. She's formidable, right? I mean, yeah. We haven't seen that side of her, but she is a panther. You, you you think about this, right? And if you had a panther versus a gorilla, you know, that's a tough match. I don't know, but you know, if, if the panther gets gets to your neck, right? That's 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 probably. Oh, it's a great scene. I mean, jumps out of the tree. He kind yeah. of catches her, but as he's holding her, almost like in a bear hug, she just takes those those her thumbs with the claws and yes. just sticks them right into his neck. Yeah, no, it's awesome. It's, it's a nasty like, little scene, but yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Parker and Montgomery and Ruth find her. I mean, she's alive but dying. Um, and she basically yeah. just says, you know, it, it'll go, just just go. So it's a nice little tender scene Maybe with Parker. Sure. And yeah, yeah, she she's saving Parker. I mean, she's still she 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 hasn't fallen out of love with him. So she, you know, you know, wants to save him, and he wants to he wants to take her body with him. And and Montgomery's like, it's it's best if we leave her. Here. That's right. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. this is her home. This is this is her thing and stuff. But it's nice. Parker has this great little moment at the end with her, and it's you know you you feel like um you know just like all sorts of movies like this. Parker and Ruth's uh uh you know relationship is off to kind of a rocky start. <laughs> You think like yeah, he's this. already kind of yeah he's already into the panther woman and you can imagine them at their wedding a few months after this just both still like a little like PTSD from from this experience <laughs> like you know everyone's like oh congratulations they're like yeah you're welcome <laughs> I guess is he's probably buying like a lot of panther lingerie like for the honeymoon <laughs> yeah, right. so, now, so really, now every time they role play doesn't really know right? yeah she doesn't know why but there's a lot of role playing going on with whips growl and, a little bit more for me exactly. Right. <laughs> Now, he, now he's got a taste for Panther. Uh, once you go Panther, you never go back, right? Um, oh, that's, um, that's a t-shirt idea. We're still on that one. Yeah, right. Uh, so yeah, so she she kills her and saves Parker. Um, yeah, so everything's so 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 sort of getting lost a little bit is like the the, the island's starting to burn because the guy set fire to um, the village and and the fire is supposedly creeping. You know, not not that jungles are super flammable, but you know. Um, right whatever it's okay um and and uh you know parker uh ruth and and uh, montgomery get back to the boat and then you have this final scene in the house of pain oh man of of you know they they they, they carry moreau in and they lay him on the table and then it's all these they bust open the cabinets and reach out for the stuff so you've got these amazing shots of like flippered hands and and clawed hands and hoofs and things holding scalpels and holding like the instruments of torture that he, you know, used on them. And there's just this, you know, it's, it's obviously poetic, but it's, it's just, it's really gratifying. Like we talked, you know, Scott, you know, Scott, we've talked about like, you know, villain deaths in these movies that sometimes aren't gratifying. And this is like Moreau has earned a death this gruesome. Hasn't he? Again, I mean, four, four years from now, you're not seeing natives. I mean, you might see natives, you know, like looming over, you know, somebody on a table and you just assume that they're going to torture him. You're not going to, it's all going to be implied. Yeah. You're not going to, right. Exactly. You're not going to see natives smashing open equipment cabinets pulling out hooks pulling out scalpels right 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 hearing, you know hearing Lawton screaming for his life yeah and because you you never see them cut into him or something you know and that's all that's all implied it's all implied right. which makes it almost worse i mean you can just yeah, imagine yeah, exactly. what's going on this is a gruesome scene i mean it goes on for like maybe a good six seven eight seconds and he's yeah, yeah. screaming he's and you just see like the hands yeah. and like all yeah. these people just poking at him and oh, you man. you could you could see a different version of this where like you know, Bella Lugosi breaks in and picks up a scalpel and turns and looks at him and starts coming at him, and then they cut away. But they right, don't exactly. do this. They, it's it's a it's a group effort. Here. Yeah, <laughs> and, that's not and, this. This is pre, when we say pre-code movie. This is yeah. This is a yeah. This is, a this, this is it. I mean, and again, I would say like I, I think it's like this. You know, 
black hat um yeah uh murders in the murders in the zoo you know there, there's a few movies that you you feel like they reached a crescendo right here in like 32 to 30 early 34 mm-hmm. where where the we're dealing with very uh it's i mean it's it's sort of like psychosexual you know elements going on here very mature stuff um but also really grisly stuff and gets into this real grand guignol kind of kind of vibe and uh, you know, religious groups and other folks are just going like, now hold on a second here. Children right. watch these movies, and and there was another. The argument they they used to use all the time back then was um, people who wanted, who had the idea that these films should not be should be censored or shouldn't be being made was that that you know the lower classes would see these. This is a big thing in the British uh, culture too. Was like, well, lower class people are going to see this, and they meant like uneducated working class. Well, you know, emulated, people. right? Yeah, yeah. And there's this idea. There was this idea that that somehow the lower class people, less educated, less erudite people, wouldn't be able to handle this, and it would somehow rouse them up and maybe cause problems and stuff. The, this I, you know, the and and Scott, you and I grew up in the '80s during the the Satanic Panic kind of thing, and and that same thing was applied to us. But there was just something insidious in this in this era where there's this idea that if you were poor, you were so dumb that that yeah that you couldn't handle this kind of thing, and that right. that's obviously not the case. No, exactly right. You see, like the kids, like in the it's '90s and the early 2000s, with like you know, if you play Grand Theft Auto, you're going to hop in your car and start shooting people and beat up hookers and kill people. Right. Right. Yeah, and I don't, I don't feel like we saw a rash of that any more than in the '80s. We saw, you know, this this idea of like, you know, everyone listens to heavy metal is going to be in a cult and right. worship the devil. And I really don't think we ever saw that. So, it, I think it's just a tool. Again, you're talking about just like Moreau, you're talking about a, a small group of people that want has the urge to want to control a much larger group of people, and the only way you do that is through this kind of. Um, uh, intimidation and, and, and fear stoking fear. and stuff. Exactly yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. So that's that's what they did. Like, don't, don't let your kids listen to Metallica. Cause they're going to, you know, they're going to, they're going to turn evil and all the parents are like, well, you know, maybe we shouldn't listen to Metallica. And then, and, and then, and then it turns out those parents are listening to Metallica now too. So that's what, <laughs> exactly yeah. right. the, 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 the irony of censorship is that, you know, it, it's, it's, it, it never works. It, it never lasts because they could censor all these movies back, back in the day, you know, they could say you're not allowed to go see that, you know, England could ban Island of Lost Souls, you know, as a, as a video nasty in, in, in the day. And now you can see it because of the technology and everything. Like it, it, it it's a it, censorship is just event is just inevitably fruitless in, in the long yes. term. That's I mean, the we're end of my tribe on that. We're in 2021 <laughs> and people are still trying to weaponize fear. No, no matter yes. what that is, whatever, know what that is. And that's an unfortunate right. thing. And it's probably never going to change because under the, under the, the thing of like, we're looking out for you. Like that's right. the insidious part of it. Right, yeah, right. It's really, it's really kind of gross. And it's just, it's, it's control thing. So yeah, man. But, um, it, so I'm just so glad we got to talk about that. I, I, again, it's, it's of the non-universal canon of, of this era of films. I, I would say this, um, King Kong, obviously, and and uh, like I walked with zombie, there's just a few amazing gems that other studios managed to 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 chunk out that that fit the 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 mold of Universal. You know what I mean? Like this this feels like this could easily have been a Universal movie. It was inspired by Universal. Inspired, I should say, by the success of Universal, and yeah. they you know threw a lot more money than Universal ever hit, and they it's a, they it's killed a, it's it a literary park, um, you, know. you know based based you know story and stuff. You know, it has this. This, these archetypical characters and stuff like that. Yeah, it feels absolutely like it. And and I even thought it was because uh, MCA Universal picked it up for distribution back in the day. So when when the DVDs were, when the VHS tapes were coming out, this was one of them. And I never stopped to think like, oh, I just assumed it was a Universal movie, but nope, it's Paramount. No, and for anybody that wants the Blu-ray, I mean, you're going to have to pay a little bit for it. It might have, you know, 24, 25 bucks for the Blu-ray, the yeah. Criterion Collection. 
but I got to tell you, so worth it. It's, be, I mean, not only beautiful, but some of the extras on here. You yeah. had, we mentioned earlier, Greg Mank does a great audio commentary. Some of the the, um, the audio, just I mean, it's just yeah, he, so he's worth he's great. It. He's great to hear his his oh you know God. input on 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 something you've seen so many times and stuff. Yeah, the transfer is amazing. I'm watching it on a on a big flat screen and it's just gorgeous. It, it's also you know you know I tend to make the differentiation with these. You get a lot of these older films on different versions of DVDs and. You know, all these films are are four by three, right? They're they're almost square formats because um, that's what things were filmed before the days of widescreen. And nowadays, when you when you pop, you know, the Universal Blu-rays on or this or something like that, it comes off perfectly. And there's bars on the right and left. And then you go to the cheaper versions. If you've done this, you know, Scott, and you put of it course. on, and it stretches, right? It, uh, it looks awful. And you have to go in your settings and you have to readjust it to four by three. And you're right. like, okay. And then the next time you put on like Superman the movie or something like that, you're like, what's wrong with? Oh yeah, that's right. I still had it. <laughs> You know, this on the scale of problems, it's not a huge problem, but I do appreciate when uh, a release is, you know, taking the time to like to format it in a way that, you know, it's great. You pop it in, hit play and yeah, and 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 you're writing the thing and stuff, and it does. It look it looks and sounds amazing, and the and features are great. So it's a, and there's a booklet that comes with it too. Not to turn this into a commercial for Criterion because they don't need our help, but it they do good stuff. They do, and it's nice to celebrate people like that. And we're not making one dime off of this, so no. um, yeah. If we find something that we really enjoy and it's it's high quality, and we think you know you as a listener would enjoy it, you know, take take our take our advice because again, we are we have neutral parties. We're not getting a cent from Criterion. All we are is huge horror fans like you guys, and, and this is and one to check out. This is absolutely one to you know invest in if you you know like what we're talking about and want to see this movie. The Criterion Collection you find it on Amazon yeah. twenty five bucks well worth the price you will watch this movie a bunch of times we're going to watch the extras um yeah i'm really looking forward to uh, uh mystery of the wax museum came out last year and i never got around to picking up until recently and i haven't watched it yet i'm, I'm dying to see that on a nice version of blu-ray because that's another one i can't wait to talk about mystery of the wax museum that's another one of my huge non uh universal favorites oh let's talk about it. let's get in the schedule soon we gotta let's, let's get it in there we got a huge summer ahead. We know, and definitely, you know, we talk about it all the time. September, October, Halloween time. We want to be a really heavy, you know, podcasting time for us getting episodes out. So definitely, let's get that in there soon. Sounds great, man. Right. Awesome, great talking with you. Oh, you too, brother. It's so good to hear. You know, especially I mean, I know you you love all these movies, but you've got it was a few that you're really, really you know passionate about. Black Cat, and of course this one. It's so cool yeah, for me. Yeah. Can't can't contain myself about how much. No, I, man. I, I, every you, time, it's just such a good, such a good fun thing. That it's and, so fun and it's good to me. dissect. It's so fun for me to to join you as a partner, but it's so fun for me just to sit back and listen to you. Um, <laughs> go, just go, go on. on and on and on and no, on. No, 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 but just be excited about it. And you just got some great takes. So thanks, it's man. Really well you done. You too, man. Appreciate awesome. it. Man. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys. Thanks you so much for listening. And uh, we'll see you soon at the Boga Pass Horror Podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode. But the fun does not stop here. You can follow and interact with the show's hosts and listeners online on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The Borgo Pass Horror Podcast is a presentation of Shadow Camera Film and Entertainment. This episode was edited by Livio Marino. The music was composed by Sean Poole. Opening and closing narration are by me, Kat Ahrens. Show titles and graphics created by Jim Towns. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Borgo Pass Horror Podcast. Podcast.